Hello again, friends! And you are our friends! I don't know if that sounded good, but we are here with another edition of Jim Cornette's Drive-Thru. Another day here in the fall, or spring as some people call it. I'm your host, the great Brian Last. I'm not exactly sure what we're going to do yet. We're kind of going to play it by ear. Or uh, by laughter. Here he is, the star of the show, the king of Louisville, Kentucky, the most in-demand person in Louisville, Kentucky, Mr. Jim Cornette. <sighs> I can't breathe now. Brian, you've sent me on a roller coaster. I've been on a roller coaster of emotions. I'm up on a tight wire. One side's light, the other's fire. Oh, at, within 10 minutes of speaking to you before we went on the air, as they say, as they used to say back in the broadcast of fine business, in 10 minutes, I was happy. I was in a good mood. Stace and I have been up playing with Harley. She's energetic. Had a nice breakfast, been romping about. And 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 I got a good night's sleep. And I, I told you, I was, well, I'm in a good mood. And then you proceeded to tell me how fucking miserable, not only you, but the entire contents of your home, each numerical member of your family from top to bottom is either sick or cranky or out of sorts or feeling puny and you and you got me all upset about that and i started thinking well you know it is cold around here god damn it's freezing cold here it's much colder than it should be this time of year that's how it got and you upset me saying that everyone here is or not everyone but several people here in the house are getting sick or are sick yes and then i started thinking negativity I, well yeah it's freezing out here it's been in the 20s the past couple of nights of frost and freeze all over the ground Whenever I have to take Harley out, she tinkles icicles, and I'm standing there shaking like a dog shitting peach seeds watching her, freezing my buffoonery off, and then, then that got me in a bad mood, and then you tried unsuccessfully one time to open the program and basically gargled razor blades within the first three words that you mentioned. And 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 that got me tickled again, but then now I'm realizing that you've already prepped me for you being out of sorts and as a result i'm probably gonna have to carry this broadcast since well, you're all if you insist puny if you insist well no no after you please this well, is your program this right? is my program that's what's been alleged by some you've given me nothing but bad news every time i've talked to you for the last two that we're a day late with the program this week because i took a day off because I deserved it. I'll have you, I've mentioned this on the, our previous program, but it, Halloween, October 31st, is mine and Stacy's wedding anniversary. It's Halloversary. And I, you know what I'm going to do on Tuesday, Brian? This is what I was saying to you earlier this week. I said, I'm not going to do anything except enjoy a family day. I'm going to maintain a low profile, keep, you know, keep under wraps, not associate with the outside world any more than might be absolutely necessary. And we're going to have a nice day where we sit around, where we're watching horror movies, scary movies on Turner. Turner Classic had Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, The Black Cat, The Invisible Man, The Wolf Man. They brought out the fucking stars. We're going to watch those with Harley. We're going to have a variety of wonderful foodstuffs 
Don't you like it when you can sit around the house and have a variety of wonderful foodstuffs, Brian? I've never heard it put that way before. Well, how would you put it when you sit around the house and have a variety of wonderful foodstuffs? We have a variety of food, or a variety of snacks, or a well, variety that could of be hors d'oeuvres. Goddamn, that could be some goddamn vending machine crackers. Foodstuffs could be anything. A variety of wonderful foodstuffs, that narrows it down a bit, but nevertheless. Depends on so the that's what. Well, it depends on, uh, we got that, we order from, from Costco, so we got a whole pallet of everything delivered right to, but anyway, I said, so that's what we're going to do, we're going to have a big day, and by the way, I'm not getting paid for this, and neither are you, and that's probably why you won't like it, but I got to do a plug. I was, I was uh, informed of this place from our old friend, John Fell in Baltimore, who gave us a gift one time for a special occasion. G&M Crab Cakes, or the G&M Restaurant. They're up there in, it's Baltimore, but I think I think they're in Linthinicum, or Lithicicum, or whatever that fucking suburb of Baltimore is out where the airport is. They're on the Invisible Harbor. Uh, the, the, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I think they're landlocked there, but they can cast out to the to the harbor. But anyway, G&M Restaurant ships crab cakes and stuffed shrimp and crab dip and all kinds of uh, seafood soup and products all over the next day delivery. And you know me. I've eaten food in a lot of places. And I've been to Baltimore many, many times. And I've gone to restaurants that charge an arm and a leg for what they bring you. And I've never had crab cakes as good as the G&M crab cakes they send you packed in ice. The goddamn, um, the, the, the crab cake mix in a tub and you just, boom, you put it right out on the daggum cookie sheet, stick it in the oven, and out comes a crab cake that the people at Morton Steakhouse would be turning cartwheels if they could prepare. Yeah, turning cartwheels to get away from. No, are you, you have, do you like crab cakes? Right out cakes? the door. Do you like crab cakes? Why are you scoffing at a fabulous crab cake? I'm not against them. They're okay. I wouldn't go out of my way to have them. Or where anything. have you eaten crab cakes in a, have you gone to like Joe's Crab Shack where they break well, up no. a fucking whole loaf of Wonder Bread and a, 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 a sickly crab and fucking bake it and or fry it and call it a crab cake? First of all, I've never had it at Joe's Crab Shack. Don't put down Joe's Crab Shack. I wish I had a Joe's Crab Shack near me. We used to have one when I lived in Long Beach over in Oceanside. It was fantastic. You can get a lobster and claws and all sorts of shit. It was great with corn and potatoes. But no, it didn't sound that good, your description of it. What, what you have a problem with fine food. I have come to the... Oh. If you have... If you have giant pieces of lump crab meat, and and the way that these folks do it, it's it's mixed in with a concoction that makes it fluffy and fucking succulent, but it's not a bunch of filler. And you know all you got to do, because I know what crab meat tastes like, and I know what the phony shit tastes like. They sell down at the fucking local Kmart or whatever, and it's nothing like this. This is scrumptious. This is incredible. And and all you got to do is put it, as I said, in the oven, 450 for 20 minutes, and boom. And a little remoulade on the side, they're fantastic. But never, I digress doing the G&M plug because I wanted everybody to know 
where they can get the best crab cakes in the world, don't have to leave the house. But anyway, so what we did was we got the G&M crab, and they also, I mentioned, have crab dip. You put this in an oven-safe dish and bake it for a little while until it's bubbly. It has crab meat. It has some cheeses. It has a variety of goodness in it. And then bake a little sourdough bread. And boy, are you some fine crackers. Daddy, you got anything against crab dip? A little sourdough bread? I don't know what's in the crab dip. The crab dip, I just said it has cheese and goodness that bubbles around in the oven. That does not sound like anything the FDA would approve. So no, I do not really. I, I don't have the that. list of ingredients right. Well, we had some crab cheese dip. And, and bubbly goodness. Oh, what a, sign me up for that. We had some, well, you should be signed up for something, possibly observation. Hey. But anyway, we had some crab dip in the afternoon, had a snappy pappy or two. We put Harley's Halloween costume on. And then on Halloween evening, I had gone over to the store and talked to the meat gentleman. And I said, I said, I want the biggest fillets you've got. And there were, there were the fillet, you like filet mignon now. You have mentioned this in the past. Well, not just now, but for many years, yes, of Yes. Course. Well, so I got them there. They were about three inches thick and about as big around as both of my fists put together. And I said, I want you to butterfly those, Mr. Meat Gentleman, right down the middle there so they'll cook evenly. And we put those in the broiler and had the crab cakes and some baked potatoes and then some razzleberry pie. You like the razzleberry pie, Brian? I've never had that. You have never had razzleberry. You know what's I in the razzleberry judge. pie? Razzleberry? Yes. You got your raspberries, and you got your strawberries, and you got your, your razzle-dazzle of all these berries together, blueberries and blackberries. Mulberries? I don't know if there's any mulberries. There might be a dingleberry or two in the... In the uh, in the lower budget version of this was a fine razzleberry pie. But anyway, we had that for dinner and it was just a wonderful Halloween without the pesky children around of crummy crumb snatchers and rug rats begging for candy. Boy, and I'll tell you what, the way that they're, they're doing these things these days with the wrapping and the safeguards, it's harder than ever to get the 10 penny nails into those three musketeers bars. That's not but, even funny to joke about. Well, you're right, because, fuck, they've shrunken the Three Musketeers down so small now that they're not even longer than the Ten Penny Nails. So you can see them sticking out of the top. Well, first of all, you're talking about fun-size candies for children on Halloween? No, I'm talking about the big Three Musketeers, by the regular one. It used to be, uh, it, because when I was a child, you could hide an entire Ten Penny Nail into a Three Musketeer, but now they've they've... What is it, the, 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 the deflation, the downsizing of the products? Well, I don't know. I guess so, yes. Well, that's, it happens everywhere. Oh. But anyway, so in the middle of this wonderful day where I didn't have to do anything out in the public eye, trying to just be a, a senior citizen here enjoying my golden years, a low-profile family day. You're not a senior citizen yet. I'm, I'm, I'm senior to you, aren't I? Yes. Well, and I'm a, I'm a senior citizen. And you called me on the phone. And I knew we weren't supposed to record that day. And, and when I said hello, you said, how are you? 
in a tone of voice of like, I've heard about the accident. And I said, well, how am I supposed to be? What, what is, what's the issue here? And you, well, you're trending. And I said, well, what did I, how am I trending? And that's when you informed me that you had been deluged by messages. How, how do you people that are on the internet most of the day get messaged? Do they direct message you or Insta well, no, I'm, face you or I'm pretty hard to get to. If someone tries, if someone thinks they're direct messaging me and, and I don't reply, you're probably not direct messaging me. I'm never going to see it. But you had, you had messages coming in from people. I had people in the tagging inner circle. me and shit. I had people tagging me. And you had people tagging you and, and things. emailing the drive through email. And it was annoying. Yes. Yeah. It, it was, it was, basically drawing you away from your editing work to ask you, is it true? Is it true? Can you make it happen? That's my favorite. Can you make it happen? Like I'm going to pick you up and drive you. But anyway, go ahead. Well, but we, they don't know what it is yet, but what <laughs> it apparently was, was Jeff Jarrett on, apparently he does a podcast these days. And he was inviting me to the AEW television spectacular that they held inside <laughs> under cover of darkness inside the Yum Center, or at least part of it, in downtown Louisville, Kentucky, last night as we speak. We were talking of this on Tuesday is when this, this story broke. And to, to be perfectly honest, yeah. Yes, the words did come out of his mouth. He was asked if he might stop by and pick up his old friend, James E. Cornette, and take him down there. And Jeff replied, both honestly and with a bit of an ulterior motive, yes, I'd love to have Jim there. And I'm sure he would. And, and I'm not yelling at Jeff right now. He gave a truthful answer. I'd, I'd love to sit down somewhere not involving AEW or really any other professional wrestling and just have a conversation with Jeff sometime. But he said, yeah, I'd love to have him. And I bet he would. He would probably enjoy having me and Dutch Mantell sitting next to him while he's in that building instead of the plethora of buffoonery that he's got right now surrounding him. But he said that. And then apparently the the uh, uh, wrestling media, all the copy and paste news sites, picked it up like it was a not only a legitimate offer of come down to AEW and appear in my group, but that there was any chance of it happening to begin with. And there was speculation like, well, Jeff Jarrett is invited. Like it was an announcement from the, the fucking promotion on some of these sites. Jeff Jarrett has invited Jim Cornette to come to AEW. Will it happen in Louisville? And, and which Jeff, bless him, is a little pee-picking hard, because he's a third-generation promoter, was smart enough to know that if anybody was, for the people who like that kind of thing, that's the kind of thing those people like, AEW. And they are some of the easiest to work and the most gullible of the wrestling followers. And he's smart enough to know that, well, that may get some talk because they had 
they put him on the last minute publicity push for this Yum Center debacle that they did. He was interviewed on Spectrum News One. That's the, if you in Louisville, Kentucky, don't get your news, your television news from any of the network affiliate stations, Fox, ABC, NBC, CBS, the local stations with the the professional news teams and programs and various, uh, you know, uh, offshoots hours per day, you can sit there and watch the people who weren't good enough to get a job on those news teams do the local news on the fucking cable Barker channel. And Jeff was interviewed there because they sent him up because he might be the one person on their roster that still means something in fucking Louisville. And well, then they sent Big Show to OVW to push the two-for-one deal. So that's what it would, Jeff figured. Oh, yes, I'd like to have him there because that was a an honest answer. And as I mentioned, I'd like to visit with Jeff, just not there. And also he knew that maybe it would drum up some fucking last-minute ticket sales because of the fiasco that they had in a 23,000-seat building, which we'll talk more about in a second. But we actually had to issue statements that I know I'm not going to fucking be there because people's heads were on fire one way or the other, either for it or again it. And they were, at, and because they couldn't get to me, they were belaboring you. Well, let me also say, although not known and we're not going to talk too much about it, this came on the heels of a couple of bizarre inquiries from AEW <laughs> about Jim attending and we can't go into too much detail because uh it's off the record and uh that well one of them is the other one i just don't want to talk about but there were weird inquiries about getting you there and then all of a sudden we're trying to get me to sniff around about going it was it was bizarre it was really really bizarre but on top of that then all of a sudden it's everyone saying what do you say is jim gonna go that's what i said before what do something you gotta do something what do you want me to do pick him up and go there. By the way, I'd be dropping them off because I ain't staying. Yeah. Drop well, them and, the and, back end of the yum said, All right, I'll see you later, Jim. <laughs> and, but and and that's the thing is that again, people in and I'm not talking about a quality, you know, uh, news site like fucking well, I guess are the sports illustrator or something like that quality anymore. But I'm talking about the, you know, the off-brand websites. They're running with it like it's a fucking legitimate thing. And the reason why that you called me when I got on Twitter for a second to see what in the world this was about, because I was trending while I'm trying to cook fucking crab cakes. I get on there, I see half the people again. The AEW clowns, their heads are on fire. Well, I will never watch them again if Jim Cornette shows up there. And our listeners are like, yeah, God, can you imagine if he got then cut the promo on whatever? And they're all happy about it. And so to try to get people to leave you alone, and so you'd leave me alone, I'd go back to my crab cakes. I tweeted that I appreciated Jeff Jarrett's invitation to the AEW TV taping here in Louisville, and I've tried to make it work but unfortunately i couldn't find anybody else in town going to split the two for one ticket deal with 
But maybe, you know, they could come up with another ratings ploy by Showtime. And then I trended for another day because the goddamn, again, the people who suck at the teat of parody of wrestling that is Tony Khan and his ensemble of wacky characters, their heads were on fire again and their goddamn asses were blowing hot air and lava. And they despised the fact that legitimately, if I did show up on that program, at least for a week or two, maybe the first time and last time would be the same. Somebody would fucking watch it. But, and then our regular listeners, the majority of folks who have cognitive ability and the power of reason, were once again entertained by their fucking... It's, it was sad. I heard from a little bird, and I do live in this town, that they had people standing outside the Yum Center because it's downtown. When people are leaving office buildings or closing up for the day or whatever, they're walking down these streets. It's almost at the fucking river, the big bridge. And they're trying to give away tickets, and the people wouldn't take them. They're like, no, wrestling? No, no, I'm good, I'm good. And, and the email was going around about seat fillers. You saw that, right? Well, yeah, boy, apparently they didn't show up either. Because <laughs> they should have, you know, you know, hey, what about the blow up fucking pilot from the movie Airplane? They should have just had a bunch of those in the seats and hit the fucking uh, the tank and, and blow them all up at the same time. That's a great idea. An inflatable audience. Anytime someone goes to the bathroom, something just pops up from the seat to sit there. Yeah. And if they had an inflatable audience, then fucking Kenny could wrestle half of them. <laughs> but they're getting back to this fucking thing. <laughs> so, so after I finished trending, because everybody was upset about a tongue in cheek invitation to a fucking show that nobody was going to to begin with that I was never going to accept in a million years, and people let it ruin their goddamn days. Those, those AEW fans, they're still pissed off about it. Oh, my God, they hate me like crotch rot. But they ended up putting under fourth, and we're going to talk about the difference in tickets distributed and tickets sold. They put under 4,000 people in a 23,000-seat building with a last-minute local market push of advertising the best they could do, two-for-one, people on the street handing out free tickets. And I saw the map from, who is it, WrestleTix does these type of things. Yeah, yeah. And everybody's retweeting it because they had literally opened up. It looks like if you if you cut up an apple pie into eight pieces and then took six of those pieces away and somebody still couldn't eat the, what was left. That's what the part of the building that was opened up. And they said that I know they did a last minute media push around town here, but on spectrum cable news, but they said the last day they sold 300 and something tickets. Or no, I'm I'm sorry. The last day it was th plus three hundred and something tickets distributed, and they've been to the last because there were twenty six hundred or so about a little less than a week out, according to the same source. 
And then they ended up with 36, 3,800, whatever it was. It, now, I'm sorry, but I know we've gone crazy about the Wembley statistics and the verbiage and how it was presented and everything, and that's much more important than this. But for the sake of it, just because they distributed those tickets over this last week, does that mean they sold them? Or when we were running the Knoxville Civic Coliseum in the, it, 30 years ago, and it was all at the time, all the Ticketmaster buildings, you couldn't just distribute all the tickets that you wanted. You It still was computerized, which it is now. And they charged us 25 cents piece for every comp ticket that we had printed because it had to come out of the Ticketmaster computers. Our, our comp tickets actually cost us a quarter. So we didn't print any more than necessary. But that's the thing is that still was in the tickets distributed count. We would get a count from the building, tickets sold, and tickets distributed, the free ticket. That was two different numbers. You see where I'm going with this, Brian? Am I, for the layman, am I describing this right? There's how many you ship and there's how many you sell. Right. And and so, are we getting Zoomed on the tickets distributed on any on all of the towns just because we know that this particular fiasco was again if you if you as a promoter give a hundred tickets to charity that's tickets distributed correct well they have to come out of the computerized system right it's not right. like i'm just i'm not copying them on my home copier and handing them out say just show this at the door and they'll let you in it's tickets to the event so Radio station tickets, distributed tickets. Yeah. So my question is, on all of the towns that they're running, whether good or not good attendance, we're getting the tickets distributed number, but that don't mean they're selling all of those or even the most of those. So they couldn't even, with giving shit away, put 4,000 people in a 23,000-seat building which begs the question, why are they running a 23,000-seat building? And boy, and we're not even going to talk about it today, we'll save that for the experience because we have actual newsworthy things, but after the program that they gave the live audience, much less the TV viewer, from Louisville, can emanating, seeping from Louisville, Kentucky, who would ever want to fucking pay to see that again? <sighs> well, that was AEW in Louisville. We'll see when they come back. I won't. I will <laughs> not. I'm going to make a blanket refusal. No matter who invites me that next time, I will not be there. Does AEW have any hot markets right now in the United States? Is Chicago still going to be a hot market? Beyond punk, even if punk was there and everything else was happening on that show that's happening, the crowds, I think, would still be down. Do they have a hot market still? Well, no, because now the people that wanted to see it have seen it and the most dedicated have seen it numerous times. And it's getting worse with they're losing people that the fans cared about and not replacing them, except in the case of Adam 
Copeland with people that they care about, and they're doing the same old shit, only worse. So why do you continue to... I mean, do we think that MJF versus Jay White has the cachet in the industry, as they say, that MJF versus Danielson in the 60-minute match or MJF and Punk and dog whatever that had? No, what? Hello, McFly! And and nothing else is attractive. And they've got this weird thing they're doing now where MJF is unfortunately the center of everything because he's the only guy that they can count on to deliver a, a performance of whatever description, but they're all dragging him down because he's playing with children. And, and so they... They've cooled off quick. It's happening in front of our eyes. Well, Jim, on that topic, why don't we quickly go through the AEW collision ratings because we reviewed it, but we didn't actually have the ratings when we did the review. Well, let's go ahead and do that then. I got my pen ready. All right. These were compiled by WrestleNomics, the AEW collision ratings on TNT for October 28th, 2023. And these, by the way, it's going to be a mega number because to remind the folks, or if they're listening to this out of context, uh, this was the big main event with MJF and Kenny for the AEW world title that they had, they both held at one point, the, you know, the love interest. The streak. In men's lives, the streak. And uh, we got uh, an incredible... Almost two-week build of snide comments. So it's got to be a monster number, right? Well, again, you say that jokingly. Some people would say there was really only a three-day build. Other people would say this was something teased for a while that if you knew, you knew. <laughs> Quarter 1, 8 to 8, 15 p.m. A.R. Fox versus Jay White with picture-in-picture. 465,000 viewers. Ouch. It is, is now, so what, uh, the World Series was going on last week? Uh, I believe so. Saturday night, I believe so. The World Series and uh, obviously this war is happening. No, no, this was, was this last? Saturday night. What Collision. Saturday was? Okay, October 3rd. So this was a World Series situation. Or was it? Didn't October I hear 28th. somebody say there wasn't a World Series game? Hold on, October... 28th 2023 there was no there was no wwe premium live event going against no that was actually the one day the diamondbacks scored runs nine to one they beat the rangers okay so it was it was it was not a wwe event next uh against them it was the world series okay i stand correct and congratulations to the fans of the texas rangers but quarter two eight fifteen eight thirty p.m the finish of ar fox versus jay white the acclaimed and Billy Gunn's backstage promo, the Guns versus the Boys, <laughs> an MJF video, oh, an ad break, a Danhausen video, it's like you, a Danhausen video, and the Ryan Nemeth backstage angle, four hundred and forty two thousand viewers oh boy okay ryan nimeth backstage angle that's the first time those english words have ever been spoken in that order before maybe the last time too 
quarter three, 8.30, 8.45 p.m. Hikaru Shida versus Abaddon. Oh, boy. With picture-in-picture as well as just a full-screen ad where they just give up on the match and go to the yeah, ad. that's right. As well as the post-match with Timeless Tony Storm and an FTR video and another ad break. 434,000 viewers. She, but you know what? We're down to the the paraplegics out there with bad batteries in their remote controls. They can't change the channel. If they didn't lose any more on that, that's a that's a modern miracle. Quarter four, eight forty-five to nine p.m. The Shane Taylor Keith Lee video. Did you know there's another famous Keith Lee? Suzanne the other day was saying something to me about Keith Lee. I'm like, what are you talking about? And she said, Keith Lee. I said, I know, Keith Lee. She said, Keith Lee, <laughs> the rest. I said, Keith Lee, the wrestler. She said, I-, I don't know anything about him wrestling. There's some guy who does something with restaurants. His name's Keith Lee. So he's not even the only Keith Lee anymore. Well, who? I, well, now, wait a minute. God damn it. I'm pissed off for one of these guys. One of these guys is a perpetrator, an infiltrator, a, a masturbator, a carpet bagger. He's a TikTok There's- food critic. Well, then, it, if it, does he have Keith Lee trademarked? Because if he does, then this other Keith Lee, or vice versa. Let's give old Frazier Crane Keith Lee a chance to prove that he's the real Keith Lee. Let's put him in the ring. All right, a true promoter. Uh, but back to this, Shane I hit- think I think a, a, a fucking experienced cook would probably be able to fucking defeat Keith Lee after feeding him until he went into a food coma and covered him while he was asleep. All right, let's get back to quarter four, 8.45 to 9 p.m. Anybody tell I'm not taking this fucking program seriously today? Go ahead. The Shane Taylor, Keith Lee video, Samoa Joe versus Rhett Titus, QTV backstage for their promo, Claudio Castagnoli's backstage promo, and the start of Dax Harwood versus Ricky Starks, 447,000 viewers. So they've, uh, they started with 465 and they've been in between 434 and 447 cents. What about the top of the hour, Brian? The big nine o'clock hour, nine to nine, 15 p.m. quarter five. The continuation of Dax Harwood versus Ricky Starks with picture in picture. The post-match. With the spooky House of Black. And it says LFI. Who's LFI? Ah, the LaFuckers and Goobers. Oh! Too many letters. He wouldn't put them in here. LFI. And then the Andrade El Idolo backstage promo. 424,000 viewers. Ouch! They lost at the top of the hour. And that's their worst number so far. Quarter 6, 9.15 to 9.30 p.m. An ad break, Chris Statlander, Willow Nightingale, and Sky Blue's awkward backstage promo, Claudio Castagnoli versus Tracy Williams, Samoa Joe and MJF backstage, another ad break, and the entrances for the main event, 448,000 viewers. And they went back to, by 1,000, beat their best mark since the starting quarter hour, which they've never surpassed. Quarter 7, 9.30 to 9.45 p.m. MJF versus Kenny Omega, 546,000 viewers. Well, so 98 
thousand people were interested enough to actually tune into that thing after saying fuck it to the rest of the program. So the MJF factor is he's still giving them something. And with Omega, he's the only one in the elite with any intrigue. So him against a main eventer like MJF, there's something there you've never seen before. Quarter eight. Uh, you want to give him some credit, but boy, what I saw on the uh, telecast last night from the Derby City here was a bunch of people farting in his general direction. He Go can't, ahead. He can't say anything now without me thinking about what you're going to say after you read it, after you write it. But <laughs> quarter eight, nine forty-five to 10 p.m., the continuation of MJF versus Kenny Omega with picture in picture twice, 567,000 viewers. And they ended up with another uh, 21,000 on top of that. So, and by, and by the way, we didn't give it on average. The uh, rating was 472,000 viewers. And that's not real good for national cable television. Uh, but, but again, again why did, what, this match, what we're talking about, we were talking about it beforehand. This yeah. match, a Mohegan Sun on three days firm build. Unless, <laughs> you, were, unless you were watching the Young Bucks YouTube show. Unless you're close enough to this shit that the young fucking bucks text you personally, the big news. Nobody really knew this match was happening, and they still added 120,000 people to a grisly, stinky television program viewership just on that amount of promotion. And that's, uh, again, you called it the the money they lost by not putting it on pay-per-view when their audience will pay to see Kenny. And and MJF is carrying the the load of almost everything. And then he gives it away that quick on a B show. If you had taken it's collision. That, if you had taken that and extended it over two months without any physicality, even just promos and intimidation or you know, face-to-face things. And then had it on pay-per-view. Holy shit, who wouldn't want to see that match? And you know what? When they figured out the streak two weeks ahead of time, the streak or the 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 daily count or whatever the fuck, you know what? Instead of having Kenny come out or having MJF go out first and whisper in his ear ominously with no explanation whatsoever, why didn't they just have him pass it and then have MJF start crowing about? being the longest-running champ, which then would get under fucking Kenny's skin without MJF trying to be, or trying to. Because instead, they had MJF, who they're now trying to point and portray as a the big, you know, the big baby face of the company, the, the devil that everybody loves. He's your favorite devil. And he was the one that came and told fucking douchebag, 13 days, bitch. Like he's a prick. He could have just been crowing at the Bang Clang gang. But Kenny could take it in his gut. Because everybody knows Kenny's soft and takes things personally. And these things eat at him. When he is alone watching his Joshis at night. So they could have done that. And then Kenny could have said, hey, you may be the longest road, but I haven't had a chance. And then build Gee. it for weeks and weeks. Gee, golly gosh whiz. <laughs> you know, when they do the movie version of Kenny, they could have Burt Ward play fucking Kenny. Golly gee, Batman. Fucking Tell you, it's Miss Piggy. It's Miss Piggy. 
Everything Dude. Kenny Omega says, if you think of it as Miss Piggy, then at the moments where he's supposed to really say something, you just yell it in her voice. It works. And in what you know, what are these people thinking that think so much of Twinkle Toes with these golly gosh? Do they are they golly gosh gee whiz people too? Do they talk breathlessly and douchebaggily? I think he's just not. It's not even that he's not good at talking. I don't think he's comfortable talking. But no, some some of these fucking people that that like that kind of thing think he's cool. Oh, he's so cool. Right. It's Kenny. And then there are also so, some people wear their pajamas all day and play video games and they're boogers. I mean, there's different classes of people out there. Well, now let's not fucking talk down to the booger class. <laughs> the, the people who produce the nation's boogers. They're they're doing a job too, and somebody's got to do it. Do you want to produce the nation's supply of boogers? You know what though, we didn't get anything with Punk and the Elite, but there's still something there with the idea. Everyone is sick of them, other than Omega, and he's not as popular as he was. But everyone's sick of them, and everyone also knows they're kind of douchebags behind the scenes. And they know that whatever you think of CM Punk, the reason he's not there is all these people. But they don't do anything with it. We're supposed to all just pretend that none of that happened. When you have a guy like MJF who could be a prick, and when done right, that makes him the babyface that people love, you know, why, instead of just the throwaway thing with him and Omega, someone should capitalize on what people think about the elite. Because the longer you pretend it's not there, it's like Hogan before he turned heel. Like, he doesn't know it's over yet. Everyone else knows it's time for something new, but he's still doing the orange and red. The Bucks and Paige and even Omega, if he's still, you know, the fourth member of their clan, they should do something. I mean, it's the only thing that could actually They're help They're trying the to run MJF out of AEW, waging a whisper campaign in the hallways that we always pick up on camera, because why wouldn't we? I like it. And people would believe it. it. It could be true to life. He he He's become too big a star. Instead of everyone just getting the makeup stories that they want to do. Miro, what do you want to do this week? I will be in a spooky room in the building. You know, <laughs> kidnap people. All right, Swerve, what do you want to do? Yo, me and Nana are going to go break into a house. All right, that sounds good. Darby, what are you going to do? I won't be there. I'm just going to be riding a tricycle into oblivion. I'm jumping a tricycle across the Grand Canyon. I'll be back. Oh, maybe a couple of months. Because otherwise, what are the Bucks being paid for? And what is Adam Page being paid for? Just to go out there and work who they want to work with and the way they want to do it? There has to be some kind of way for the company to capitalize on what everyone knows is there. And there's very little left for the company to capitalize on right now. Things see, are dead. You know, this again, here's a free brainstorming session for them that they won't even take advantage of because we're coming up with better ideas than, than Tony does just because they part of it would be predicated on admitting that he's hired a high ratio of douchebags and they could play off of their douchebaggery instead of this fucking saved by the bell bullshit where everybody wants to be everybody's friends until somebody gets stuffed in a locker. Yeah, they did it again last night. I mean, we'll, we'll do the review, but in the Bucks locker room with Omega and Jericho is back to Oh, he's your friend. We're your friends. Who are your friends? It's like and a parody of it now. The world, the world heavyweight champion 
is wandering around from locker room to locker room, getting doors slammed in his face or getting held up against a wall and mugged by the school bully. And, and, and the only ones that want to be his friends are the goddamn nerds over at the, from the science class. It's, I I don't even know what the fuck I'm looking at. I'll tell you though, that's the one thing they could do that would be exciting. MJF versus the elite. Because then you got someone who's as prickish as they are, whether they realize it or not, and he uses it to his advantage. Other than that, if you're a fan of the Bucks or not, and I'm saying the Bucks, the Bucks and Adam Page. Yeah, he he just kind of hangs around with them now. Who is there for them to work with where it'll matter? I don't think anyone really is demanding another FTR match right now, and it doesn't doesn't look like it's going to happen. They won a tag title shot, then immediately FTR lost the belts, and we've heard nothing else about them getting a tag title shot again. Adam Page is doing his thing with Swerve. It's not helping Adam Page. It's helping Swerve. You're losing any ability to get anything out of them. There's no one for any of those guys to work with where it would help. But if you did something where it was about reality, it's about the stability of the company. It's about who's really causing problems here. Don't run from what everyone knows. Own it, embrace it, take it in. And MJF is the perfect guy to battle on behalf of, whether it's real or not, whoever he thinks he's battling on behalf of <laughs> against the elite and their games and their influence. People would believe it. And if he didn't fuck it up and make it too silly, what, el- what else is there for these guys to do right now? And then MJF could come out one time and, and, and get Tony Khan in a corner of the hallway and read him a list of all the names of the people that the young bucks made him hire that are never seen on television and never should have been seen in the first place and are a drain on his resources. And, and after he gets to about eight or 10, then here comes the buckaroos and all those people and they jump and they start getting some heat on him and blah, blah, blah. But no, that would, again, that would make uh chicken salad out of some chicken shit in terms of you got a shitty situation so do something with it to get some interest but they're too busy trying to put together dream matches in guadalajara and sapporo and engage in high school theatrics both both in terms of the gymnastics class and the drama class that's where their heads are at well, that was uh, AEW hmm. Collision and our thoughts on the AEW booking, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But, Jim. And after- can, can I say one thing also? Yeah. While I was trending again as I tried to catch up on some of the tweets, I've had other people again, and I've talked to you about this in the past. They, and they say this not only about me, but other people. You know, when they say, well, they ought to bring so and so in. And people will say to me, I can't believe Vince won't bring you in. Or, why didn't Tony bring you in? And I I was wondering the other day, do you think when Luthez was happily retired living out there in Norfolk, Virginia on the on the beach with his lovely wife Charlie and enjoying his golden years when he was 80 years old and people would see him and they would say, "Why doesn't WCW bring you in?" And, he, and he'd look at him like, "I'm cuz A, I'm fucking 80." And B, and B fuck Antonino Rocca. Well, yeah, it'd be fuck Rocca. And he could probably still have at, at 80 stretched half of the roster down there. But that's what it, it being brought in requires most people on the other end of it to want to fucking go. 
and I'm going to hear this for the rest of my life, I guess. What is if I'm 80 fucking years old down at the fucking rehab center with various tubes in me? Boy, I wonder if Tony's going to bring him in. I don't want to go. I don't want to go to things I would want to do. But in, and here and maybe uh, this is one more thing and then hold that thought. This may be a, a learning, what do they call it? Goddamn, now I've lost the phrase. The learning teaching moment. I'm 62, and I don't want, because I couldn't do it as well as I used to now, even if I wanted to, and I don't want to. So I don't want to go or be bright. And maybe I don't want to hear there the should be excuses, There should be excuses. some, there should be some kind of goddamn age requirement like the California commission had poor old Fred Blassie when he turned 55 had to leave and go to New York and be a highly paid manager or whatever. But it sounds like you're being lazy. What the fans expect is for you to go and jump the rail and then run and grab the mic away from Justin Roberts and then hit the ring and then do a promo and then run away from baby faces again, jumping the rail and then you run out of there. Seriously, what do they so when people are like, I wish he was there to do his thing? What? What do you want him to do? You want him to jump the rail? He's 62. And I'm not gonna that show is unproducible to begin with. And it's they've booked themselves into a goddamn miasma of it's it's like a bowl of goddamn gruel. You should do everyone's favor and jump into the truck and lock the door. So but again, yeah, there you go. With a no, you're not broadcasting this program. That's how I could help him. No, there's nothing that I could do <laughs> that would change what they have come up with, and they're welcome to it. But again, not just me, but for fuck's sake, the people that are in their fucking 60s, let them, if you want them to work for you, Tony, let them tell you what you ought to be doing. Don't put them out there to try to do it. And that's what that what they've got again now is, but I know the problem is, is that Edge and Christian and some of these, even Jericho, my God, Jericho's better than half this roster. Now, take that compliment with a grain of salt. But the veteran experienced talent that is taking Tony for a ride is still better at getting over with the sole exception of MJF than the young, not ready for primetime players that the Buckaroos talked him into signing. So the Over the Hill gang is running away with the program. And that's, I know I'm thinking long-term, silly me, when from what we're seeing here, I don't know if there is a long-term, except for the the rights of the library, whenever Shad figures, well, he spent his inheritance. But uh, anyway, I just I'm 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 not ready to be brought in yet, Brian. All right, well that's good to hear, and I think that uh, Jim, this past week's collision was one of those rare episodes where you would probably start in the sleep position on the perfect sleep <laughs> chair and end in the TV position or sitting upright in the perfect sleep chair to watch the dregs of AEW. And well, you know, I, rem I remember when you used to actually try to think about this for a second and make some semblance of sense, and your words were put together in the manner in which the English language 
deserve to be treated instead of this tortured syntax. When was that? Verbal diarrhea to try to get to a, a topic that's so easy. It's so easy to talk about. Everybody wants to, wants to be comfortable. And everybody has trouble getting exactly in the right position to be comfortable, whether they're sleeping or watching TV or whatever. That's a problem that everybody's got. Now, we cannot help you if you've got your drawers tucked up between the boys too tight, and that's what's ailing you. However, if it's just you can't get in the right position because you've got a lumpy surface that you're on, or it won't go in the right shape to fit your, you know, the, the maybe your bucket seat is not big enough for your bucket or whatever the case, the perfect sleep chair from shopjourney.com handles that quite well because they can get in any combination of positions. It's an infinite number when you take into consideration the back moving and the footrest moving and the seat moving up and down and the whole thing straightening out flat or standing almost up straight and then the moving it down again and up and down and up and down. There's an infinite number of positions. A virtual it, arena experience. Yes, and I mean, and boy, when it tilts you sideways, and then you go up like the roller coaster, and then when it does the loop-de-loop, actually, is there a loop-de-loop setting, Brian? In the arena? What arena no. has a loop-de-loop? What are you talking about? In the about? perfect sleep chair. They don't have a loop. That would be so dangerous, and so, no, they do not have that. Well, and don't get one of these for your mother-in-law, because no. the accident, well, the accident probably wouldn't be believable unless it has a loop-de-loop -loop setting. Get, go that's, the other that's way. That's where you can really find the loophole in that. Get one for your mother-in-law so she can tell her daughter how much she loves you. I was thinking if it had a loop-de-loop -loop and you could get it and you, she hit the button, if she fell on her head, then, you know, plausible deniability, you weren't even there. But nevertheless... Have you ever been on one? A loop-de-loop? -loop, a roller coaster? Uh, oh, I don't go upside down. You've never been upside down? No, I do. well, sometimes against my will, but I don't purposely other, put other myself in a position where I'm going to be hurled upside down. Other than your snappy-pappy behavior, have you ever been upside down on a ride? No, that's what I'm saying to Never. you. Never. Wow. Except in the course of wrestling and or uh, vehicular accidents and or a few skirmishes, I have been upside down, but against my will, but I would never purposely get on a conveyance or a, a vehicle or a compartment or holder of anything that would turn me upside down on purpose. You came to I'll this conclusion you. in life or like even as a little kid, you were just like, I can't do this. No, I wasn't an upside down kid uh, when I was a kid either. No, that didn't make sense to me. But you know, but now the tilt-a-whirl, I love that too, because as long as I'm right side up, I'll spin around in circles and go fast. But it's just, it can't be. What about the Gravitron? Well, now that thing, I mean, I see what they're going for there, but it made me more uncomfortable than anything else and, and hurt my little gonads when I was plastered up against that wall. When I was a kid at the Gravitron at Adventureland on Long Island, some kid threw up and it just went right out, right back into his own face. <laughs> Well, see, those thing, kind of things, and especially on, on uh, uh, roller coasters, too, those kind of things can happen. And I don't want people just projectile vomiting, especially if they're in front of me on a situation like that. Well, no one wants that, but Jim, I think what I want to say is that the great thing about the perfect sleep chair is there's no oh, loop-de-loop. Oh, we're still loop. talking about that. No loop-de-loop, -loop, so you will be safe, and you will be comfortable, and you will be asleep and awake and enjoying your day in asleep a comfortable, perfect chair. <laughs> You'll be... 
you your right side can sleep while your left side is watching television and also if you hit the gravitron button it'll suck you right into the fucking lining of this thing it, and you'll never be able to get it it'll be like you weigh a thousand pounds your head is getting very sleepy it is a hokey pokey of comfort okay well i'll take the hokey and you get the pokey <laughs> But nevertheless, if you're in the perfect sleep chair and you feel something poking you anywhere, that's an optional attachment that's going to cost extra. Nope. Not your from perfect like sleep it. chair, maybe from some unlicensed third-party vendor, but not from some, perfect sleep chair. Some kind of bootleg. Oh, that was the perfect sex chair. I'm sorry. I confused the advertising. And you know what? You made fun of me. Unbelievable. Yes, I did. I'm sure. You did What? I don't know when, but I'm sure I did. Well, I'm, I'm trying to tell you, you made fun of me last week when I tried to mention that I'd given the perfect sleep chair to my cousin Larry when he got out of the rehabilitation facility and was in the hospital and everything, was able to come home, and he's been doing his physical therapy, but the chair still helped him be able to move around and, and even stand up a little bit, uh, get him started there, and he can sleep in it or he can move around and get his circulation going and it vibrates and it heats up and cools down because he's got the perfect sleep chair. He's got the perfect sleep chair. He's got the perfect sleep chair. And you made fun of me for bringing the jocularity and hilarity of our spot down because I was talking about a real life individual with, with mobile mobilization problems. He's not directly as completely mobile as he should be, and the chair is helping him. I'm there's a lot of the sick and the shut-ins out there that deserve a main event on television and deserve the perfect sleep chair, not only for a lazy type of comfort for your own self and your own self-indulgent pleasures and whims, you decadent people out there, you, you cretins, you're living a life of debauchery and you want to be perfectly comfortable in a perfect sleep chair, or for the needy. And the, and the, and the, and the sick and the people who really need something oh. like this, it's, it's therapeutic heat and, and, and help with their, if their muscles oh can't gosh. do the job of moving the chair on it, it can move on its own. And everyone in between the needy and the, uh, whatever the first option was. The, well, the, fir the first option is just you slugs out there and you decadent debauched individuals that all you care is your own pleasures and carnal desires. And, it, and this perfect sleep chair is good for carnality also, if you want to, because it'll hold two people if you do it right. And they don't squimp on, uh, skimp, squimp. They don't <laughs> squimp or skimp. They squimp. are a fine company. They don't skimp on quality <laughs> or squimp on it either. And it's available in several fabrics, including genuine leather. I'm checking to see if they got one for Harley made out of uh, uh, puppy pad uh material there fabric uh but and they deliver the chair right to you not the puppy pads but the chair so you don't need to worry about just packing this thing home from the store or whatever it's going to show up right at, and some fine fine individuals are going to unbox it and bring it right in the, the one that when they brought mine in there they took the top of the box off there was a fucking guy still sleeping in a chair. No, there wasn't. Don't even joke about that. That's not how they deliver their chair. There'll be no one in your chair. It'll be fresh for you to die fresh. in on your own. To, to do what? Or, I mean, to enjoy. Enjoy, yes. All right. He was asleep, not dead. 
I thought you said he was dead. He wasn't. No, dead. I said he was asleep. He was still sleeping in it. You well, said, listen, you alive said. or dead, you can well, come to life right, and, in this chair. But they have a special. They have a special function. If you go on their website, <laughs> shopjourney.com, S H O P, and the group Journey with Steve Perry, shopjourney.com, and they got a special function. You can register your chair so that if anybody else but you gets in it. They will instantly be injected with poison. No. And they, will, they will be killed on the spot. No, no. And then you can dispose of nope. them later on. If it sounds like a comic book, folks, it's because that's not real. That will not be offered. That will no, not be an option. No, that's a goddamn Ian Fleming novel. You could see Gert Frobe sitting down in that thing and the needle coming out and boop, and then he'd realize, Bond, he's got me. Newman. But anyway, folks, once again, the best chair money can buy. That's right. Uh, the best chair that sickness can can help. Perfection. Help, can help sickness. Perfection. Can, I'm sorry, what? Perfection. Perfection. No, I thought you said infection. No, if you have an infection, it's a good chair to sit in, too, because it'll, it'll tilt you upward where you can hock that stuff out and spit in your spittoon. Spittoon not included. But again, folks, <laughs> go to shopjourney.com slash JCE right now and use the promo code JCE. Spittoon. Oh, no, JCE. No, it, it, the promo code JCE. Spittoon is the next spot. You're going to get $125 off your order is what's going to happen to you. $125 off the perfect sleep chair to sleep or be ill in. Whichever one, or watch TV, watch TV, have sex, be ill, and sleep. Or all just in sit. This chair. Or just sit and have a regular sit just, down. Just sit quietly. <laughs> sit quietly and have a regular sit down. That's right. And then get up and walk away again. Just like regular people do. I will sit yeah. down and now I will get up. Or bring the, bring the Kama Sutra over and prop it up on the coffee table and try this. Bad boy out. Shopjourney.com slash JCE. Use the promo code JCE at checkout. $125 off. The best chair to do anything in. That's right. Once again, the perfect sleep chair, the perfect way to sit back and enjoy wrestling on a Wednesday or any other night. But Jim, let's keep Or just if you're if you're paralyzed and can't move at all. At least you could, you know, you could be in a, in comfort and and have the movement done for you. All right, well, uh, let's keep it local, Jim. Dynamite was in Louisville this week. <laughs> at the Yum Center. Oh, boy, yum, yum. And now we're going to yeah. talk about it. <laughs> another big, we have another big night of action. Revere Raiders will return after a word about a fine product. I'm going to wait to get the... The final ticket count, but I, through Ohio Valley Wrestling, promoted at least, I believe, three events in this town at the Louisville Gardens that sold more tickets than, or distributed at least, more tickets than they did over there at, uh, at the Yum Center, the 23,000-seat basketball arena that they, for some reason, chose to broadcast their national television program from. And when you look at because the first thing I wanted to see was the crowd shots, right? And that's I think that's why it was five minutes in before they actually went to the arena of the program. But 
they shot one side of the end of the bleachers and the end of the bleachers in the lower bowl, and that's all they could shoot all night. The upper deck was completely blacked out. Half the building was not set up for anything anyway. The entranceway, it was a big entryway, wasn't it? Big screen. And they couldn't turn around and shoot over their shoulder because that was the goddamn, you know, the wilds of the northern Yukon. They were shooting moose in the balcony. Every time a wrestler needed to get a reaction from the audience, they had to turn away from the camera. Yes. To talk to the people because there was no one on the side of the camera. But you know, you know what? And and honestly, as a rib, 40 years ago, we used to do spot shows and they'd have us outdoors at the high school football field and they would put the ring close to one side, right? I mean, we're not putting 5,000 people out there in Saltville, Virginia, but they would put the ring next to one side and all the people would be on the one side of the grandstand. And the first thing I would do when we were introduced is I'd hold the boys' hands up to the empty side. <laughs> Just to fuck with them. But, and then I would argue with the empty side also later on. But anyway, so they were at the Yum Center. We talked about it earlier in the program. They had people out on the street passing out the free tickets. and People wouldn't take them. They've had Jeff Jarrett on the local cable, Spectrum Cable News. They had Big Show over at OVW plugging the two for one. Did you see Jeff Jarrett on the news? Did you actually see it? Yes. No, actually, because... When you turn the cable box on, by default, it comes onto the Spectrum channel, and then you have to go on from there. And Stace had turned the TV on in, in the studio area uh, outside, and it, as soon as it popped up, his face was there. I'm like, what the fuck? But they played I'm the I'm here same with the stories. weather, Jeff Sharon. That's his day job. Well, yeah, but no, they play the same stories every hour, so it's not like, you know, it was just complete random chance, but nevertheless. What'd they talk about? I mean, was it all about AEW? Did the uh, newscasters seem to know anything? Did they mention anything about the history of wrestling in Louisville? It it was a, well, it was a talking head clip of him. uh, And he was saying that, well, you know, Louisville has a great history for wrestling and the fact he mentioned the fabulous Jackie Fargo. I mean, what else are you going to do? He couldn't really mention all of the OVW names besides big show. That we had here that people were, you know, Cena, Batista, Orton, That's then that's plugging the other guys. And he couldn't really say Lawler because then they think WWE. So he was pretty much the guy that had the most appeal of the territorial audience that's still left that could be trotted up here. And Fargo's the name you want to mention if you want to get the old-time fans, but I can't believe that any 60-year-old Louisville Gardens wrestling fans on Tuesday nights went to AEW when most of the other people in town didn't. So it was kind of a, you know. Looking for Fargo. That'd be like arriving out of a time machine. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Is, you know, and the thing is, when we did it on TV 20 years ago here in Louisville, it worked because we were talking about stuff from 25 years ago, which now the spread is uh, we were talking about Stone Cold Steve Austin in his prime if it was right now. But unfortunately, now they're talking about if it was Bruno, it is fucking prime. Anyway, so yeah, that's what they were talking about a lot. So they started this this show out oddly 
And maybe, like I said, maybe with, I guess Tony thinks this is his telling his stories, but if I was reticent to actually come to the arena and show what we had done or what we had wrought in the way of a crowd and how we were going to have to shoot this thing tighter than Dick's hat band all night, I'd stall a little bit too. They did recap packages with Claudio and Danielson and Pockets and that thing. Danielson now, they say his orbital socket was broken, but it wasn't even in that match. It was the previous week's match that he allegedly had with, who was it, Andre Doleolio? It was indeed Andrade El Idolo. And... And then he came back and had that match with a broken orbital socket so they could blame it on fucking the company mascot? One of the biggest stars in the business, biggest names at least, and one of the best performers in the business, and one of their only legitimate potential draws in that company, they risk him working again Instead of it, to to blame it on the fucking mascot, that's the Blackpool it, Combat Club for you, isn't it? it hey, listen, it, I have a broken orbital socket. How about next week? Put me in a match where I get punched in the face, and then Okada hits me with his short arm clothesline. Jeez. And well, then the punch, of course, never hits anything anyway. He never even lands on the victim. The other bump looked a little wicked, but the thing is, they they couldn't blame this on the. The Clang Bang Gang, or they couldn't blame it on Don Fallis's face. Hobbs broke his face with a punch. They, they have him risk his health further to put heat on an angle between Moxley and the company mascot. And they didn't even put the heat on a serious fucking wrestler to try to draw money with it. So they recapped all that. Plus, they recapped MJF and Twinkle Toes, where. McFingerbang did the best he could to kill the other Golden Goose. And then Renee Moxley-Good was in the back with MJF, and tonight was the eight-man tag match that absolutely none of us have been waiting for, where MJF's got to find three partners to go against the, the bullet gangbangers. And if he wins, then he gets his belt back that was stolen and if, if this was Bill Watts, he would have had the goddamn, he would have had Grizzly Smith show up at ringside and snatch it away from the heel, right, at this point, because it's just ridiculous. Yeah, really, where's the office? When do they step in? Well, where's the goddamn local police? It's stolen property. So, anyway, but he'd get his bell back if they win, but he has no partners. And he puts coal on the screen. And Cole is apparently, it's not a professional television setup. It's on his phone or whatever. So that explains the bad audio. But there's Adam Cole where, with a scruffy beard and unwashed hair just in front of a fucking wall. Can they make these guys look any less important? Look any less like stars? Look any, like any less like people that you would want to pay to see? Did you see the state of Adam Cole? And the answer is yes. He rolls in in a moment. Uh, I saw this, yes. It was a very uncouth Adam Cole. Uncouth and unkempt. So, 
And Cole tells MJF to take Samoa Joe up on his offer, but MJF's not wanting to do that. You can tell. And then MJF cuts Adam Cole off. Well, I got to go find me some partners, Adam, when he's the one has been trying to get. So as he leaves, here comes Roderick Strong in the wheelchair with Taven and Bennett and a fucking stuffed giraffe that I. And Roddy is trying to tell Adam Cole that MJF is the devil and Adam hangs up on him. And then suddenly a sh the, sh the shot of the guy in the devil mask breaks into the video for like two seconds and then they go to black and they go to the open of the show. And your thoughts on, can this be any fucking sillier and more confusing at the same time? I don't know what to answer or how. Um <laughs> MJF is good. It's just everything he's doing. I shouldn't say everything. I like the stuff with him and Joe, even him and Wardlow, I'm intrigued by. But this stuff, I was getting sick of the Adam Cole stuff, then Adam Cole got hurt. And it somehow got worse with the Roddy Strong stuff. And then the devil mask thing. Who do you think is going to be the Black Scorpion, Jim? I think it's you. Well, there you go. Didn't you have the magician who played the yes. Black Scorpion on the 605 one time? Franz Harari, yeah. He was on the 605 talking about the way he described it, I believe, was, you know, I went there and I looked at it and I came up with some tricks the Black Scorpion could do, like, you know, pull the woman into the cage. <laughs> Things that wrestling fans really didn't necessarily want to see, but if you were going to do magic with the Black Scorpion, this is the way to do it. And he remembered... Yeah, this nice guy named Oli took me to McDonald's to film his plans <laughs> for the Black Scorpion. Well, where is that guy now? He's Do still out there. He's at. He's well, still he, that's what I'm saying. Could it be him? Could it be the Black Scorpion? Anyway, after the show opened, that's when they ended up in the arena. Five minutes into the television show. First time we saw the arena. And then the first thing we hear is the music for Pockets. And again, no fucking wonder that nobody will buy tickets to this or to take free tickets that are being foisted upon them or watch the television program because this is months and months and months. They think... And rightfully so, the fans, that if they fucking watch the show or go to the event, they will see this. They will see this fucking idiot because he's... What is the difference, Brian, as a wrestling expert between Big Daddy, George Goulas, and Pockets? Uh, well, Big Daddy's brother owned the company, and George Goulas' father owned the company, and uh, yes, Orange Cassidy's yes. good friend Tony owns the company. This is not even a blood relation. This is the biggest joke ever to be foisted off on the wrestling business by a person other than a blood relation trying to make their fucking untalented offspring, brother, brother-in-law, cousin, or whatever, a fucking wrestler. Tony is the stupidest one of the bunch. It's not even a member of his family. I know he wants to adopt him because he's cute, 
so <laughs> that's the first thing the people saw. And he was wrestling Claudio Castagnoli. And Claudio is six feet four and 250 pounds and a physical fucking beast and a veteran accomplished worker that they've buried in the middle of a meaningless group. So, of course, Pockets beat him one, two, three in the middle of the ring with a sloppy roll up. 25 minutes into the show. Even if you like this fucking clown, justify that to me. That it took that long. That they they had nothing else that they could give people hope. This guy won't be the whole fucking show. We're going to bring the real wrestlers out right after this. What the fuck is that? The WWE fans ain't going to watch this shit because whenever they turn it on, they see this fucking guy opening the show every fucking week. That's why the number at the top every fucking week is the largest number. Because they see him and it begins the attrition. And to the WWE fans, this screams children's fucking kid kidding wrestling, parody wrestling. They're kidding with this, right? Is this Nickelodeon? Nothing about this looks professional. The wrestling fans that may still exist, that liked it when it was good, they see this, and they go, what the fuck is this? And they're gone. So then, after the match was over with, Moxley comes to the ring and jumps on pockets, and it wouldn't end because Claudio was supposed to have to act conflicted. It's like he throws the security out so they won't stop Moxley, but then finally he's got to go over and pull Moxley off of the poor guy. So it went on forever that everything Moxley did was the phoniest shit that's ever been done in wrestling. The punches or the kicks or the whatever the fuck. It was like he was just flailing his appendages in the guy's general direction. Or like he had epilepsy. And then Claudio stops it. And we're supposed to... <laughs> in some fashion, think that Moxley versus Pockets is a serious match for the pay-per-view, money-drawing, uh, that should be given time and effort. That was the first half hour of the program, Brian. Yeah, against the World Series, and uh, that was an intriguing game. It ended up being the final game of the World Series, and it was a good game until it, I mean, well, it was still a good game, but it opened up at, at the end of the game after Dynamite had already gone off the air. But it's not a lot to hold you there. You know, the first maybe three times I finally caught the NWA on Saturday night in 1989 because I had heard about it from my friends, but I tuned it at 6 o'clock, and by 6.04, I gave up. Remember they had the cable news before wrestling yes. sometimes? Yes, No, I, I gave up. When I finally discovered it, the first three times I saw it, the great Muda was wrestling. And it was like nothing I had seen on WWF TV. And then I kept seeing him, but I started seeing other things. I feel like if you tune into AEW more than likely, he's what you see every time. Yes. And I don't think it's... There, there hasn't been anything tangible that's shown that it helps them grow. We've all now... Even people that denied things that you said, hey, even, uh, you know, you're a little idiot friend like me, what I said, 
They've all come around and seen it now. But the problems have been there for a while. And we said, this isn't going to help the company pushing Orange Cassidy like this. Look at the state of AEW today. I mean, if you're a serious, you know, uh, if you need a contract, if you want to be on TV, if you've got no other choice, yes, okay. But if you... If you have a choice at this point of whether you're going to put your career in the hands of Endeavor and WWE and a billion-dollar fucking conglomerate or the company that fucking foists this fucking horseshit guy down people's throats every fucking week for no apparent reason, are you going to say, they'll never push you like that? <laughs> Tony wouldn't... There, it has to be a goddamn, this is the long lost brother he never had when he was a rich kid in the mansion and playing with his toys. He wanted a brother. Now it's the guy with the hands in his pockets is his cool brother. It's his Frankenstein. It's Frankenmark. It's his fucking Frankenmark. <laughs> and that's what it is. And he sees himself as being like the, you know, the Terry Melcher behind the fucking Beach Boys. You know, he sees himself as being like the guy making it happen and making it a really multi-tiered personality, which is not the way people like me see it. Well, you know who came looking for Terry Melcher? I do. It's Charlie. Anyway, speaking of tearing down another magnetic personality, MJF is making the rounds. He's going from locker room to locker room, try to find partners. He's got the talent roster. He's looking at, he's made a list and he's checked it twice. He knocks on the locker room marked for Twinkle Toes McFinger Bang, but Chris Jericho answers the door, gives him a dirty look and slams it in his face. Well, and he's going to walk on down the hallway and then Wardlow comes in and snatches him, snatches MJF up by the neck and puts him up against the wall like one of the Harris boys and Shawn Michaels. And he tells him off, says, you took everything from me and I'm going to take everything from you. And he just manhandled him and told him off and then left him. So now the, the world heavyweight champion is left reacting like Beaver Cleaver being bullied by Lumpy Rutherford. He's just quivering there. Hold on, what did he take from him? By the way, that was exactly almost word for word what fucking Scarlet Witch said to Thanos and the Avengers, but whatever. Well, remember MJF had Wardlow under the contract right. where he had some needy family members that right. couldn't make money without MJF. And he and then finally Wardlow broke free of that contract and beat MJF flat in the middle of the ring, and then they've never interacted again. Right. And then Wardlow yeah. went on to be a multi-time TNT champion and... Well, but he always keeps going away even though he's got those poor family members that he's got to support. He hardly ever wrestles. You took everything from... What did he take from you? I mean, we you're, you're upset with him. You think he's a dick. You thought he was your friend. But don't say well, that. Everyone else says it. The thing is, MJF abused him three years ago or four years ago when the company first went on the air for a year. and But everybody knows that because they haven't added any new viewers. MJF should say, do you watch the program where you use better with me or with Arn? Yeah. But anyway, so once again, if, if, if Beaver Cleaver, I mean, MJF is there in the hallway, having just been bullied by the older kid, when the acclaimed and Billy Gunn seem, 
and they're all animated and they're and they make the offer and MJF walks off. Obviously, Caster is leading the charge of this. They want to be the partners. MJF is just having none of it, and off they go. Should I move on? Yeah, because there's gonna be more of that. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the plumber was in the back, old Moxley, and he was blown up and sniffing in his stylish white t-shirt and his balding, greasy skull, ranting and raving about the company mascot. Like, again, like, this is a serious deal. It's going to, Tony's out there telling one of his, another one of his biggest stars, go out and be really pissed off at Orange. It looked like a perpetrator on cops having a meltdown after being picked up for disorderly conduct outside a bowling alley. He's moving like there's a song playing that we can't hear. Yes, he well, I'm sure he's hearing something. <laughs> he's bobbing and weaving <laughs> as he's telling you, you know, whatever he's saying there. But yeah, remember I told you when, I guess it was he got hurt, Phoenix won the title, Orange Cassidy won it back from him. I don't think they were done with Orange Cassidy and Moxley. It's just all this happened that wasn't supposed to happen. Because fate was trying to tell him something. Hey, cross your fingers. He still hasn't done Orange Cassidy and MJF, and that's the one I'm afraid of. Uh, I've, I've got one of my fingers is on each hand is already occupied for Tony. I can't cross him. But um, and I, when Moxley went away for his his rest or his cure or whatever, I wonder if they did psychological evaluations on whatever's causing all this anyway so the six man i'm sorry not the one of the because at first i thought wait a minute there's a six man champions but that's the acclaimed and billy gunn or the aew six man champions but the ring of honor six man champion that's a completely different fucking championship whatsoever and that was the buckaroos and hangnail page I've, I forgot about that because they had to have their own belts when they lost their other belts they made up so they could play with their friend Kenny. And no, they come were on, the, give them credit. It's doing wonders for uh, Ring of Honor. Yeah, they're, they're boy. <laughs> what, what are the tickets distributed for upcoming Ring of Honor events? You know, that's just one of the sad things. Tony bought it. And the way what he's decided to do with it with his own money, because that wasn't with his dad as his partner, apparently was put it at the end of these TV tapings when people are leaving. I mean, the place is empty for dynamite. Imagine like two hours later. That's when he's doing these TV tapings. And where does it air? Ring of Honor. It airs uh, on Fight Club or Ring of Honor Fight. What, what do they have? Yeah, well, uh, Honor the, Club, Honor. The first rule is you don't talk about the, Fight Club, so how Fight can they Club. promote it? Honor Society. What is it? It's something. The Justice League? No, it's not justice. It's Honor League, Honor Association of Honorable Honorers. The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen Network. Lug. And here's your host, Gary Juster. <sighs> He's over at Starbucks. But, uh, anyway. But speaking of Bucks, we were talking about the Bucks and Page versus yes. Cage. And was it the Gates of Agony? That's, uh, well, I, I, was in, I was in the throes of Agony. <laughs> I don't know if I made it all the way through the gate. Are they each a gate? 
Uh, well, they swing both ways. See, there's one opens one way and one opens the other way. And that way you can get through no matter what you are easily and efficiently. So Brian Cage and Tia Leone and Bishop Khan are the, uh, the heels there. And obviously I can't, I've, I've got things to do like, you know, trimming my fucking toenails. But the last minute of this looked like they were basically drunk trying to do cheerleading routines in wet cement. And the heels won the belt somehow after they made Hangnail apparently chased Swerve out to the back where they had a fake looking pull apart in the in the parking garage. And then so the Buckaroos and Hangnail lost their belts to the these fucking I can't call them middle card heels because they're not in the middle of any cards we're seeing. They're just they just pop up every once in a while and usually do a job. I think it's the first time they've ever won. But they have now won the Ring of Honor six-man belt, so there's the buckaroos are broke, busted, and disgusted, and Maddie goes out and starts rattling furniture around and trying to take a chair and hit the ring post and pitch a fit, but he wasn't strong enough to break anything. He couldn't even dent the chair. He's hitting, he's bashing the metal ring post with the uh, fucking folding chair, and it won't bend. He's not strong enough to pull a greasy string out of a cat's ass. So, after the baby faces pitched a childish temper tantrum, after being beaten pretty much right in the middle of the ring by the fucking heels, then they just wandered around the ringside, Maddie and Nikki, while the fans stood there and gawked at them. Is that what you saw? I think the reaction to the Bucks and Paige has been a growing, unavoidable occurrence that you see on these shows. They're not over the way they used to be. They're not over the way top talent, people who are paid as top talent should be. For a second, I thought, okay, the Bucks are acting, you know, this is what Jericho did when Jericho went from being just a Bland babyface doing athletic moves in WCW to all of a sudden losing his mind and becoming Chris Jericho. Maybe that's what they're doing here, as long as they don't make it about friendship. And then it's exactly, again, like, stop doing this. How many times do we have to do this? The Bucks and their teenage melodrama on this show hasn't helped anything. And this was just to set that up. Well, yeah, because they're going to be melodramatic in the locker room here later on when they confront Kenny about, I thought you were our friend. I thought these guys have friends. No one let Adam Page know that Swerve was hanging around with Nana? Well, the last they saw Swerve, he was at Hangnail's house. So they thought they were safe in the arena. Where were they? They were, they were in Louisville. Oh, that's, that's a pretty yes, good drive. Yeah. Yeah. He'd never be able to run back in time. But it but yeah, it, that, and that's the thing. People were just standing. So then more of the ongoing saga with MJF trying to find partners. He's in the back. There's Samoa Joe's door with his name on the door. Everybody's got their own locker room. And he that's just can't problem. bring him. That, well, that, yeah. That's the problem. And in this building, the, everybody could have dressed in the goddamn, you know, uh, cheap seats and nobody would have seen him. But he won't knock on Samoa Joe's door. Then he goes to Darby Allen's door and takes the sign off and writes emo bitch over Darby's name. 
and puts that back on the door and then sees the acclaimed. And there's Caster as a sign saying, pick us with the fucking scissors and the fingers or whatever. And MJF walks off on him again. And then Billy and Bowens berate Caster for being such a fucking child. He's acting now like a special needs kid. And I, I don't want to be derogatory to special needs kids. But that's what they're having this. He was the cool rapper that had the sick burns and dropped the beats, as the kids say, and spit the rhymes. Got suspended for his rhymes. Yes, and now he's basically spitting because he's the fucking drooly-mouthed kid with big braces on. And he's socially awkward and inept and potentially uh, ambiguously gay for fucking MJF for what apparent reason suddenly we don't know when they've coexisted in the same company for four fucking years and acting completely atypical over what got him over and his young partner as the smart-mouthed, wicked-speaking, don't-put-a-live-mic-in-that-guy's-hand-he'll-say-anything-dangerous kind of guy to a fucking dick with his dick in his hand. How did this happen? I don't know. Obviously, it seems like a concerted effort to have MJF all over this show. Well, and- now I'm talking about Caster. Couldn't they have Caster do anything other than this with MJF? I mean, anything other than he'll never. They've shot the acclaimed in both nuts at this point, and it's just it's a it's a comedy act that they'll. And now the next step will be heels will kick the shit out of them to get to MJF, and then the acclaimed is no longer being acclaimed. They went from the Bowery Boys, or uh, I guess the Dead End Kids in Dead End, to the Bowery Boys at the end. When yes. They were still playing kids, but they were much older, and they looked even older because they were drinking nonstop. Yeah, they were in their late 40s, the fucking <laughs> sa- and Satch was goddamn had a satchel ass, and, <laughs> and Leo Gorsi had hired three of his brothers by that point. But in the early days, I mean, they looked young and, you know, tough and street Yeah. 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 They'd cut you. That's right. Long, three ways. Long, wide, deep, and repeatedly. Oh, that's four. The Acclaimed were an edgy tag team. And now they're, you know, like the only thing they're not doing is throwing stuffed animals into the audience yet. Well, that's only because Taven and Bennett bought the store out of all of the... We'll get to that. Anyway, so... Tony Schiavone was in the ring, introduced Edge. Edge, I'm sorry, Adam Copeland, for those of you who don't know who I'm talking about. And he came out to his big entrance and went to one side of the stage because I I think he should still do it, you know, for the television audience, but even though it looks completely preposterous in the building when there's absolutely nobody on one side of the arena to go over there and wave at them, but for the TV audience, you know, it kind of looks... Nevertheless, it's... At least he woke the fans up here, but now it's sad because he's become, to paraphrase our old friend, our old friend... Mr. Brooks, he's become another guy doing bad television, hadn't he? Edge already? 
I mean, the people know who he is. They like him. He wakes them up, but he can't help just himself. That is what happened in WWE when he came back and came back and came back. You know, a few times after his first big comeback a few years ago, you want to see him at a certain level and enjoy it. But I've had an issue with the way he talks. It doesn't feel natural. And there hasn't really been, I mean, him and Randy Orton really wasn't doing it for me in that match at WrestleMania. was one of the worst things I've ever seen. Judgment Day didn't start working until they got rid of him. In hindsight, when I thought originally, as you did, that he yeah. was the guy that put the whole thing together and it was the experienced veteran that could actually get something out of it. But, but still, he was on network television. He, he, was, he was on network TV, or he was on Broadway, or he was playing for the Chicago Bears, or he was with the fucking big-time franchise. With another name. And, but still the guy, he, it, it's sad now because there's nobody there, and you know the creative is all going to be, I mean, he's, he's fucking... One of the members of the group opposing him is an 18-year-old kid that got signed because everybody was friends with his dad. But he ain't ready for this. And the Christian, you know, a Christian, and that's another thing I mentioned earlier in the program. Christian and Edge, I can see having a better, more professional match than probably anybody else on the roster around here. But their combined age is fucking 100. And, and they're showing the people what professionalism and wrestlers are supposed to look like and talk like. And the, the guys that they're going to have to carry this company if it's still around in five years or 10 years can't match up to that because they ain't as good because they don't have the experience and they haven't been taught properly. And they, and they, some of these guys, like Christian, can overcome bad booking to some extent by he calls his promos and he's in the ring very seldom and he can make adjustments. The guys like Moxley, we've learned, you know, don't have any clue what they should be doing anyway. But some of the guys that have been to the WWE or at least have been in the business for years and years can manage to avoid getting any on them to the best of their ability. And so they look better than the fucking young guys that haven't learned that yet. You see what I'm saying? Right. But I think also you have the problem of the image and everything, because now you have, you know, a thing that probably if in a perfect world, what should be in WWE and it's playing out here and there's less AEW originals or AEW. I mean, there's no one who's been elevated. There's less of these people at the top of the card, it's more just WWE guys coming in. There's a few who have been submerged since the company started. I, but Cody's more over now than he was when the company started because he left. And and so is his Jane Cargill. Uh, yeah, MJF is I'm I'm every week I'm more worried about the way they're presenting him. And uh, Anyway, back what? to this topic here. Yeah, go, well, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go. no, go to this. Go to this. Well, I just to get through this thing, Tony Schiavone hands the microphone off to Edge, and, and he stands in the corner while Edge puts Sting and Darby over, 
And the question is, will he agree to team with them at full gear when Christian's music plays? And here comes Christian with Dino and Nick Plain. And Christian cuts promo all the way down, and he's just got a great heel attitude. And he talks about the babyface's weaknesses. They're going to retire Sting. Darby's got a bad arm from that tricycle jumping. Edge has a bad neck. So if Edge knows what's good for him, he's going to back down or he's going to get his neck snapped like that. And maybe, maybe he ought to get a little preview. So he sends Dino and Nick in there. And Edge dumps them and faces off with Christian, of course, so Dino can stop Edge from behind. And they get slow heat on Edge as they try for to set up a concerto when they're about to bash his head in with two chairs and here comes Sting's music and he walks purposely down to the ring, but thankfully Darby shot past him and just ran and dove in. And everybody had a bit of a sloppy fight, but it built up to Edge spearing Christian and then cutting a promo that he accepts being their partner and he's gonna he's gonna beat Christian Cage's ass at full gear when last week he said he would never fight. <laughs> That's all it took was some smart-ass remarks and a threatening fucking gesture. It's been a three-week deal. Remember Undertaker Kane? Take, I will not fight my brother. That was six months. And this was three weeks. I won't fight Christian. I'll kick your ass. That's what I'm talking about. You're right. And, and it wasn't like, I mean, at least in the WWE, wouldn't it have been better for him just to held her down, right? Wouldn't it have been better for him just to come in and wanted to have kicked his ass? Well, yeah, since it didn't take much convincing, right? So maybe you know he should have just come. I am the one who's going to come in and save AEW from Christian's manipulations and evil doings, and be noble from the start instead of. Yeah, he may be a prick doing all this bad shit to everybody else, but I don't want to fight him. Can I say something you're going to disagree with? I like Nick Wayne in this role. Of just a, a dullard-looking flunky? Again, he's 18. We'll see how he fills out. Uh, but he's tall and skinny. He's as tall as Christian, it seems like. But an 18-year-old who's misguided, who can take bumps? Yeah, I think he's all right in this role. I like him as the uh, stooge more than Luchasaurus. Well, at least, yeah, he's a more believable stooge because you can batter him around and slap him about. You can't do that to the lizard. He's just a big giant that just takes up space. Anyway, should we talk about the big top of the nine o'clock hour segment that Tony thought was going to draw in the viewership that he teased on Twitter and social media that he made the big proclamation about the big announcement? <sighs> Tricked you guys. They actually went with, again, this was two minutes before the top of the nine o'clock hour. They go to Nigel McGinnis and Tony Khan standing there in the, the, uh, the, the, the control center area that yeah. they've got Tony's teleprompter in. On the set of the game show in his mind. Yeah. <laughs> it's a game show in <laughs> my mind. My name is Michael. I've got it. All right. Anyway, um, who was that? 
God damn it. Nancy I have Rodriguez. no idea. I just pulled that expression out of my ass. I didn't know that there was a no, song. No, no, no. The play, Clint Holmes playground in my mind. Oh. Look that up for a second while I'm talking about this, because there's a playground in Tony Khan's mind. Nigel was able to start and add a little bit of uh, professional presenter to the statement, and then he handed off to Tony, who was at least a little bit more kempt rather than unkempt. He looked a little neater, maybe shaved a little closer. His eyes were not quite as stretched out like a medieval torture device was gripping his face. And the big announcement that he teased on social media and Twitter and everything, the major announcement for the program tonight, is that the tickets for a pay-per-view in 10 months will go on sale in one month. All in Wembley number two, 2024, next August, will the tickets will go on sale in a month, but here's how you can get on a list to be uh, able to pre-order or whatever the fuck. That was the major... Uh, talk about selling wolf tickets. The boy that cried wolf. It, it, Desmond Wolf. Oh, I see what you did there. See, I'm not even going to say for the people who don't know. What? Okay, they're going to go back to Wembley Stadium, but to advertise a major announcement that when they already know they're going to go back to Wembley Stadium, the major announcement was the tickets for the pay-per-view in 10 months will go on sale in a month. Has he completely prostituted the major announcement to the point of immaterialness at this point it's right out of the mlw playbook we have a big announcement there will soon be an announcement now i don't know why they um did this other than tony really believes that he helps with the rating that if he has an announcement and an appearance it will help and people will be interested in see what it is they're learning i guess it's not just him Doing stand up with the mic. It's it's <laughs> what he has Ni to now say. Now they have Nigel as the host of Tony. <laughs> the host of Tony. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what this was. And they're announcing. I mean, that's the other thing. It's sad. As soon as they announced it, I'm thinking, man, what's that crowd gonna be? Because if it's not at least eighty one thousand, I mean, you're putting a target right on your back. You can't draw. Well, no, anywhere now, domestically. No, be fair. Be fair. Nobody expects, even the biggest apologist, expects it to be bigger or as big or even close to. It's not the first time ever anymore. The problem becomes, if, if they only do, you know, something paltry in the pre-sale and the on-sale, because you're wanting people to tie their money up now for a fucking year, you know, that's when people are going to start shitting on them because there's not going to be, I wouldn't think 50,000 people that want to tie their money up for a fucking year. When at that point, depending on your age or your situation, are you still going to have a job? Are you going to have kids? Are you going to still be alive? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah, I mean, it was just weird. And then Nigel started like, it was such a big deal for me. Here on Lifestyles of London <laughs> Wrestling. What was this? What was it? Just to say nothing. More wrestling. More good stuff. But you, they can't deliver any good stuff. So what am well, I saying? Well, 
they bridged the nine o'clock hour with that, and then at nine o two they gave us Jericho and Twinkle Toes against Mac Daddy and Cool Hand Luke, with uh, old Hat Man Hager in the corner. Yeah, they didn't even give us Anna J. Assholes. And so obviously Jericho and Twinkle Toes won. And then here comes Don Fallis and the the family. He's got Hobbs. He's got Take a Shit. He's got Cal Felcher. They're in the entranceway. He's doing a promo, and he challenged them. He said, this can't be settled in the ring anymore. Let's take it to the streets. And he challenged them to a street fight match in a ring. But he said, let's have a street fight in Ontario, California. An Ontario street fight. I don't know my California geography like I, I should, maybe Brian, but is that is Ontario, California? Is that a a depressed area? Do they have like post-apocalyptic <laughs> gangs roaming around setting fires in the streets? Is it known for you can be beaten with chains and padlocks if you walk down a sidewalk? Well, the West Coast in general right now is a hellhole, but I don't know about uh, that versus other towns versus Louisville. I thought it would be in Ontario. I thought they were going to Toronto and have a Toronto street fight. And they could they could bring Tiger Jeet Singh down to referee. But So they're going to have an Ontario-California street fight. But now here's the deal. They've got... Jericho and they got Harpo, right? Is his loving partner now. Well, there was Hobbs and Take a Shit and Felcher. So it should be three on three, right? If Jericho and Twinkle Toes get a partner and Twinkle Toes, that's when he did his breathless, straight out of Massengill playbook promo. And well, we're going to bring someone. To join with us, Kota Idushi. But then Don said, but you're still a man short. So is Don going to be part of the team? Is the manager wrestling? Is it four on four in this Ontario street fight? What is the California Commission or the California Highway Patrol or Eric Estrada have to say about this? Is Osprey still technically on Callis's team? He's out injured or he's just not there? Well, maybe that's it. But we were left to ponder that. No one has to said face it. Off. Yeah. But Jericho says, nevertheless, we've got somebody else. And hey, you may think Hobbs is big, but he's not a giant. You called it. They brought out the big show. Paul White. And his fake, and he, big, and his fake big show music. But he came out to the stage and stood there and Felcher ran into him and he grabbed him and punched him and then he stood and stared. And that was it. And Paul has had problems with his back and his hip, right? Yeah. Well, they're really doing it and he's not mobile. Yeah, that's the problem. That's one of the problems. That, it, it looked like when he threw the punch, he was going to lose his balance. And he, again, a great, huge name, no pun intended. Big star. Drew a ton of money, former main eventer, WrestleMania, whatever the case, but is was the, 
were the fan base burning to see this particular match and what are they going to think when they see it and is I hope he don't get hurt and secondly how the fuck is it going to make Hobbs look if Hobbs has to bounce off of him Hobbs is supposed to be the big guy and Hobbs doesn't nearly have enough heat on him yet for them to bring in Andre the Giant as the special partner so that he's not the biggest guy that only worked after he, the particular heel in question, had waged a reign and campaign of terror for months upon a time, and nobody could stop him. Right? Then you bring in Andre the Giant. All right. I mean, the other thing is, Again, it's another WWE guy. Yeah, not to. I mean, I hate that that's like a thing around your neck. It shouldn't be. I mean, it's the bigger company. But AEW is losing to their fans everything that made them different. They're becoming more and more WWEized. That's why you're hearing more of their fans. Well, but it's not like if LA Knight suddenly jumped. But. Big Show was on top years ago and has been signed to this company and then became the Invisible Man. Yeah, and he walked out there that uh, on Dynamite like Andre the Giant after his back surgery. So yes. that, that's yeah. why I'd be concerned too. But but that's what I'm saying is they haven't even, when they got Big Show, they didn't even continue to put him over or to feature him or to uh, make sure people knew he was around or whatever. They just hit him on commentary on whatever show that he's been doing that doesn't make television. And then suddenly he pops up like, well, this is the answer to our prayers. We forgot he was there. That's what I'm, there's no continuity to anything. And again, it, it it's not like a, a current top, WWE attraction has jumped recently. It's a guy who was champion 15, 20 years ago. That's not the good perception. Uh, anyway. Well, that um, was certainly a big segment and a big show, and we could talk about a big box of awesome that would be better than this big show on this <laughs> big network that we are watching. Well, you know, anything that comes out of a box is over, Brian. That's what somebody once said who was a very wise, wise man. And if you would like to get over with your family folks or your friends or your significant other or people in your social circle or the periphery of the space that you occupy as part of your daily life, that's everybody. Everybody loves a box of awesome from boxofawesome.com and bespoke post. And that's why. You need to be jumping onto this thing because we've talked about so many of the wonderful knickknacks and paddywhacks that they will send you pertaining to some of your biggest interests in life. Whether it's whether you're a drunken slob and like cocktails all day long, or you like to grow things in the ground, or you like to eat food, carnivorous food, and you need spices and seasonings that can be rubbed onto roadkill and things what? of that nature what are you talking about well they got everything that's what i'm telling you you can cut people 
You got no, me. no, you cannot. That is not allowed, you, you and that cut, is not encouraged or endorsed. You can, you can cut people right out of your life with some of these things and not give them to them, or you can bring other people a camping gear essentials. Let's say you want to take somebody you know out in the woods and pitch a tent and cook in the wild and eat squirrels. They've got camping gear essentials. Uh, cocktail upgrades. Let's say you want to get schlossed sometime. You want to just get gassed. Well, they've got a, a bourbon nosing kit that I received where you can just sniff all of the various things that are in the bourbon. And it came with the organic sourdough flatbread bites. That was a big hit in the house here. Or the barbecue sauces and rubs and seasonings. That's where I was talking about, you know, rubbing down the, the meat. Let's say you, you go out with the camping gear essentials and you take the custom-made knives and you slay some of the woodland creatures and bring a bear back to barbecue. You got to dry rub that bear, don't you? I, I don't even know where to start. Or uh, Do you eat bear bear without any seasoning or dry rub? I don't recall the last time or any time I've eaten bear. I couldn't bear it. Have you eaten bear? Well, I, barely, <laughs> but I'm telling you, no matter what you're interested in, all you do is you go to boxofawesome.com and you take the quiz and you tell them the things you're interested in, the things you collect, the things that you might traffic in, buy and sell, importing, exporting, whatever the case, things that you want in your home. And then they will send you a box every month across a ton of different categories, specifically applying to your interests, likes, and uh, uh, romantic fantasies. Each box is valued at around $70, but you only pay a fraction of that price. Now, if they catch you, you may get in trouble, but you'll probably be able to get away with this for a little while. And you're supporting the small businesses. 90% of everything that comes in your box of awesome is from a small up-and-coming mom-and-pop brand or brother-and-sister brand or niece-and-nephew brand or aunt-uncle brand. Just family would cover all of that. Or close friends. And we don't know what you're doing behind closed doors, even if you're related. As long as you Whoa. don't tell us that the DNA no, doesn't no, come no. back spoiled. No, it, we care and don't do anything that is wrong and only do what is right with right people. And right that's what we're talking people. about here. And we're talking small about small brands is what I was talking about. Well, we want to help the small brands with the right yes. people who produce the right products for a good audience. Hey, who like, are you to judge these people? Let's say, and, and they didn't know they were cousins. But nevertheless, it's all small businesses that are being helped by the folks at Bespoke Post that that get these things at it, and then they pass the savings on to you. They strong arm them right out of the hands of the small businesses, mom no, and pop. No, and they, and they and they they pay them, but they get a lot of exposure. Mom and pop do, and they, they, they work hand in hand with mom and pop, and it is a well, wonderful, right. well, like, mutually and, beneficial partnership. Mom and pop's hands are sometimes tied behind their back in a situation no, like this. No, they're not. But nevertheless, well, you don't know what mom wants to do to pop or vice versa. It's it's well, their lives. Well, that's true. Whatever they but do is their own business. That that's see, I got you to admit it. But everything, folks, that comes in your box of awesome is gonna be a treat that you will enjoy and think about forever. And all you gotta do right now to get 20% off of your first monthly box is go to boxofawesome.com and enter the code JCE at checkout. 
20% off your first box, boxofawesome.com. The code is JCE. 20%. Can you beat that? That is literally two-tenths off, right there off the top. Four-fifths. as a, No, not four-fifths, but <laughs> four. Wait a minute. It's, it's hold on now. 20% is one-fifth. Come to AEW, the accountant, Jim Cornette. It's four-twentieths off. Four-twentieths. It's always 420 somewhere, but one more time, what's that promo code, Jim? Boxofawesome.com. Enter the code JCE at checkout for your box of small mothers and fathers life savings. That awesome products. That they've, they've, they've trusted somebody else with and they've sold them out from under them. Awesome products. I'm going to open my next one on the air when they send it to me. So send it to me. That's, that's true. I've been meaning for you to, to do that because we need to hear about this. Box of Awesome, that's right, but back to Dynamite. Oh, we're still there, aren't we? All righty, well, Renee Moxley Good was in the back with Jericho and Twinkle Toes, and that's where the buckaroos come in, in the background of the locker room, and then they're upset because they thought they were the friends of Kenny, and nobody invited this prick, Jericho, into our, our locker room. And Jericho, of course, says, watch your mouth to the two middle schoolers when Kenny's trying to smooth it over because he doesn't want anybody to have a fight because it might scare him. And then the buckaroos act like pricks and walk out of the shot. So who is it exactly that we're supposed to like or trust? Are we supposed to like Jericho and trust him when the only reason that he's in this situation is because he was such a prick to all of his appreciation society that they turned their backs on him when he needed them because he had treated them so badly? Or is it the whiny little buckaroos, the mealy-mouthed, jock-sniffing brothers that have been smartasses to everybody and have turned on everybody at one point in time or another? Or is it Twinkle Toes that just tried to pretty much break the neck of the most popular babyface in the company, the AEW world champion, MJF, when he powerbombed him through a fucking table. Uh, which one of these assholes are we supposed to like and want to see succeed again? I think Omega. I think Omega's the one you're supposed to think. He may be slightly misguided, but it would also help a small animal. Everyone else comes across really, really bad. Okay, well... What are, they, was... mad, what are they mad at Adam Page for? The guy's going through a lot. He keeps running after the guy, taunting him, while they stand there and shrug like, hey, we have a match. Yeah, he's Who cares if that guy terrorized your baby? I was about to say, yeah, who cares if he's in the fucking nursery? We, you know, we've got our own problems. But at the, at the same time, if I was a small animal, I would try not to get in trouble around Kenny, just to make sure. So we were, I believe, how far were we into the program at that? Ah, an hour and 20 minutes. Hour and 20 minutes into the show so far. And they gave us Willow Nightingale against Hikaru Shida. And after that took place, Julia Hart was in the ring trying to order Blue Sky to attack Willow. But he, even though the blue sky looked like she was thinking about it, she then turned around and blue, blue mist, blue sky, blue, blue mist into Julia Hart's 
face, allegedly the face. I say allegedly because you couldn't see it. It happened so quick, the crowd barely understood it. And she misted her upper chestal area, not Julia's face. So since Julia was wearing all black for the people in the cheap seats, it just looked like she had a blue floral arrangement across her cleavage. Looked like her pen exploded. Yeah, the pen broke in her upper breast pocket. She didn't have a uh, pocket protector. Did anybody even understand that? And did they see it? It was so abrupt and you couldn't tell and under the hat and the whole, what the fuck? In a way, you could argue this was the official death and end of the logic of the mist, as crazy as that is a statement. Yeah. But Kabuki and Muda, it was some sort of weird ancient oriental technique they had learned and they could use. And with Muda, green and red had different meanings <laughs> and he did them at different times. We saw other people adopt that in years later, like Tajiri and uh, Asuka. But now, apparently, the House of Black gave her the power of spitting mist, Julia Hart. And at some point, she spit it in the face of Sky Blue, who went from being a happy, perky young lady to being miserable with blue eye makeup on. And the Black Mist couldn't overcome her blueness so now she could spit mist and it's blue and the blue defeats the black somehow i guess you're immune to the black because it would be a mutation of it it makes no sense right i was actually going to go more with now they've just made it meaningless because this 20 year old fucking skateboarding brainless twit can blow it if any if she can do it anybody can fucking do it that's where I was going with that. If Red Velvet returns, would she shoot red shoot? Would she spray red mist if she got would this she, power? Or well, it depends <laughs> on was her velvet really Stop. red to begin with. Stop. Yeah, well, I guess that's true. Okay. And and you know, a red velvet cake is always moist and wet when it's best. So I wonder if her red velvet was moist and Anyway, it's been a long so, week, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, it's been a long week. So then back in the hallway with MJF, the acclaimed have found him and he's sitting there dejected, looking at his fucking list of talent and nobody will be his friend. He's got to find three of them. Well, coincidentally, again, they offer, hey, if MJF will scissor us. And wear what's in a garbage bag that they're handy. If you'll scissor us and wear what's in the bag, we'll be your partners. And MJF looks in the garbage bag and said, no, never, and kicks them out of the hallway and has one more group on the list, and he turns to the left, and there is Jeff Jarrett and his entire band of stooges, like, come on, come on, come on, like they're beckoning to him in a dream. And he looks down at the garbage bag and sighs and turns to walk back to the acclaimed. And scene. It's so ridiculously phony. No. Uh, Look at Jeff Jarrett's team. Tony brings that entire group of people to TV every week. To stand there and just do a pre-tape where they're waving at the guy. So then... Renee Moxley Good was over on the other part of the arena, 
with Roddy and his clowns and, and their pet giraffe, and they call Adam Cole. And Roddy is complaining to Adam because he can't believe that Max didn't ask us to be his partners, and Adam hangs up to tell him shut up and hangs up on him or whatever. So again now, the, the AEW world champion, who just a few short months ago was the hottest, most talked about heel in the business in terms of a young guy on the way up, is now portrayed as a friendless, bullied goof who does comedy with underneath guys and is in an eight-man tag and a main event world title match at the pay-per-view that are both being treated and built and promoted as silliness and jokes. And I don't know what the fuck is the reason for it. Why would you do any of this to all these people? He almost had something here, Tony did, with the talent, and, and he has taken away everything about each one of them that made any of anybody like them. And then they had the eight-man tag. And MJF had to come out in a pink scissor me shirt and a pink Burberry scarf, right? I guess that was the that was the extent of his pinkness, wasn't it? I the boots maybe and, I don't know I don't know. And it was an eight man tag with the gangbang clangers against the acclaimed and MJF, and the acclaimed come out and Caster does his rap. Now he can still rap. He's still allowed to rap even though he's being treated as if he's the goddamn Rain Man in every other aspect. But then he rapped, he he knocked Rick Patino, which got a pop, and then it was either bad network audio or he got to fuck bleeped out of everything else he said. Did you hear it? I I don't know what he said. Other than the I, Rick Patino part, I heard that. Okay, unless it was my cable system's audio fucking up after the, you know, the I can't remember what the rhyme with Patino was, but it worked. But we're going to run you out of town like Rick Patino. That was good. Everybody got that. And then something got bleeped the fuck out of it. And I don't know what the fuck he said. And then they rang the bell for this thing with 15 minutes left on the air. And they went to break after about three minutes. And... At that point, who can, nobody cares about this thing anyway. Let's skip to the meat of the matter. The heels took out Billy Gunn and Bowens. They're selling out on the floor around the ring. And Caster, they've got the heat going on him, but he makes the hot tag to MJF. And when, when MJF comes in, Jay White runs away and MJF makes the comeback on the other three of them. And chases Jay White, gets stopped, but he comes out of it, hits a kangaroo kick. One of the gun boys took a great bump over the top rope. And then he hit the fucking kangaroo kick. And then Jay White fucking came up from behind him and hit his goddamn finish on MJF and pinned him one, two, three. And so remember I said that on the previous program we did, that MJF needs to be out healing the heels in some respects because the reason he's over is because he was the ultimate heel, the devil, the smartest one. He needs to outsmart them and then let them use numbers advantages or behind jumping or whatever. 
So, yes, they used a numbers advantage, but they beat together. He tried to steal his belt back, and the heels jerked it away from him. So he accepts an eight-man tag. Actually, it was his idea. He brought it up originally to get his belt back, and he gets beat in it. That may work for Ricky Morton baby faces, but it doesn't work for the fucking devil. He's being bullied and mistreated by fucking Wardlow in the hallway. He's being outsmarted. He's uh, interacting with preliminary and mid-card talent in joking comedy segments. And then as the heels celebrate their win, I swear to God, I had just written, if they're complete idiots, they'll kick the shit out of him some more. And the guns went to pick him up. And Jay White had the title belt he's going to hit him with, and I'm like, what the fuck? And Bowen, or not Bowens, but Billy Gunn and the acclaimed came back from the dead and suddenly dove in and made a comeback on three of the heels. And while they're doing that, they were resurrected instantly from we're laying on the ground to we're running in and kicking ass. Jay White went to hit MJF with the title belt again, and my DVR froze because it was fucking 10 o'clock and it's time for them to go off the air. So did he hit him or did he not hit him? Because that depends on whether this was rotten or fucking rotten. Because if they beat the goddamn world champion and then hit him with his belt too, it was fucking rotten. If they just beat him, it was just rotten. We are in the future again, Jim. There you go. Boy, I'm telling you, all this traveling is giving me gas. <laughs> all right. We had to skip ahead, but it's your show, so you can tell the people why, because we both, neither one of us, actually got to see the finish of the, the fiasco, the eight-man uh, after MJF had kangaroo kicked and, and things were still going on, both of our DVRs froze. They were way past time to go off the air. So we've done a little research now. Is this correct? Uh, this is correct. In fact, I uh, went to uh, AEW, or TBS actually has it on their YouTube channel, the TBS YouTube channel. I'm sure AEW must have it too, but TBS has got to make their uh, cut, I guess. Well, they're probably just trying to bring the people the finishes of the programs on their air that they don't get to see. After the kangaroo kick, apparently the Bullet Club Gold, as they are called, or at least Jay White, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about here. Jay White was going to hit MJF with the fucking belt, and then Max Caster, because he's in love with MJF, I guess, pushes MJF out of the way and sacrifices himself getting hit with the belt. Jay White's momentarily stunned, runs out. Bullet Club Gold on the ramp. MJF and the acclaimed get to know each other for a moment. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then it's a group scissor and the happy ending of MJF finally Oh, no, they, the MJF scissored. He is a scissorer. How nerdish can they make the devil? Does the devil wear a pocket protector? Does the devil have thick Coke bottle eyeglasses? 
Does the devil well, have a cowlick? In disguise, I guess he could. Does he spend all of his time at the library making notes? You're describing yourself? Hey! What? No, it depends on what the subject is you're looking up in the library. But nevertheless, um, oh, Christ. Scissoring from MJF now. And again, Caster, why is he... With that finish, I can understand sacrificing yourself if the guy's laid out unconscious and the other guy's coming off the top rope and all you can do is just dive on and cover the guy or whatever, like the old sacrifice spot like that. But if they were all on their feet and Jay White's running to hit MJF with the fucking belt from behind, it couldn't, instead of sacrificing It wasn't from behind. Himself, MJF well, but I was mean, slowly MJF rising up and Jay rising White was... Rising up and going to turn around to him. No, he was and just going to hit the. He wasn't really going to turn around. He was just going to like stand up, and Jay White was waiting for the moment he was up to finally hit him. Oh, so and then Max the, Caster pushed him out of the way, and the sucker babyface MJF was just going to stand up when he's already been fucking pummeled and beaten, and the perpetrator of the evil deed was going to be fair enough to wait till the guy got to his feet before he hit him again. Well, hold on, now you're making me doubt it. Let me go back and watch and then, that moment. And and could Caster have just gone over and said, "Hey, Jay White, I'm going to tackle you with that belt before you hurt my good friend." Did he have to take the shot in the head? Oh, no, I apologize. I was wrong. MJF holding the ropes, pulling himself up uh -huh. on the ropes. Uh-huh. Yeah, hold on. I'll play it. Because you see it every week. MJF pulling himself up on the ropes. He's getting ready to turn around, but Max Caster sees what's going on, pushes him, takes the belt, goes down. Could Caster, could Caster have just gone over and pickled him, uh, Jay White in the fucking mouth and stopped it? Oh, he's so much bigger than Jay White. He could have just clotheslined his head off. Did, but, when, but MJF you, now appreciates what Max Cass the stalker tendencies out the window. This man <laughs> threw himself in front of this pirate with this belt <laughs> to save him. So now a Long Island Brotherhood has led to uh of course MJF's wearing a shirt that says scissor me. <laughs> <sighs> nice. Oh god. You know the the problem is it's like all the things I was afraid of have happened. But altogether, like it'll be really bad WCW. It will turn into TNA. I've said many times, including especially when Jeff Jarrett and crew came in. It's a show that's lost all sense of direction, even with their audience. So you're saying that next week on the program, Darby Allen is going to jump a tricycle over a shark. I think that would get more viewers than anything, but they would have to build it up. If it was like three days in advance, <laughs> like Darby's got a tricycle, what will he do? And then like he whispers the day before, I'm going to do something fucking nuts. Then people will watch. Shark, baby. I would honestly, after watching that video of him on the tricycle, I would watch so much more of that if he does a preamble every time. Because I think the preamble was, I stopped training for Mount Everest to do this and my shoulder hurts. <laughs> and then he lands on his fucking shoulder. <laughs> it's the funniest thing ever. He got more injured doing that than when he jumped in a car. He jumped his house in a car, didn't he? Yes, <laughs> or jumped his car in a house. I'm not sure. I think he did both at one point or another. But going uh, back to the other stupid people for a second, it, it, here's another, why has it become epidemic for 
whoever is going to hit somebody with something, whether it be a move or an object or a title belt or whatever the case, to get in the far corner as far away from them as possible while the person they are fighting is already selling and could easily be abused further, and not only wait for them to get up, but motion for and mouth the words, get up, so that when they get up, they can hit them again and knock them back down. When did this become a thing that is everywhere? How many times did you see me roll in the ring with my tennis racket and when a baby face's back was turned and scream at him, hey, turn around? What the fuck? That's the whole idea. You hit somebody from behind to begin with. That's even more heat. I, I do, what, what sense does that make? There's milking, <laughs> and then there's waiting for fucking a bus, and it takes less time for the bus to come in some major cities than it does for some of these people to get the fuck up and turn around so you can knock them down again. Am I just imagining that you didn't see that in most major main event matches in days gone by? No, no. I mean, when uh, Hulk Hogan started hulking up, there was no stopping him. And you certainly didn't, you know. But the heel, if the heel had the baby face down, he wasn't gonna goddamn ask him to get back up before he hit him with something else. Was when he? Hulk Hogan was hulking up, the heel was typically right next to him, punching him or trying to do something to stop him from getting this magical power. If it was nowadays, Hulk Hogan would be hulking up and the guy would, instead of being standing next to him, would turn around and run the other way to try to do something. Yes. And there's a lot of turning around. There's a lot of distance. I think milking's a big part of it. I blame WWE for a lot of that because they kind of normalized excessive milking, I guess. They're the biggest dairy company in the, in the world. The WWE, they will, they'll milk anything. If it's got a fucking nipple, they'll milk it. That's right. You'll see that at <laughs> WrestleMania 55 with the bloodline in the main event. <laughs> the bloodline being milked. Uh, loser gets milked. Whatever the fuck. But anyway, that's what happened apparently with MJF and these folks on this, on this show. Ugh. By the way, the name of the video on TBS is Did MJF and the Acclaim Get the Triple B Back? AEW Dynamite TBS. So anybody that didn't normally watch the program would instantly be, what the fuck is that? I guess they want people to want to answer the question if they don't already know. So what do you guys want to talk about? It's like kind of one of those situations. <laughs> but uh, that was AEW Dynamite. However, we do indeed, now that we have uh, gone into yeah. the future, we have ratings. Oh, boy. AEW Dynamite, November I, we, I wish we, I wish they had the ratings just for Louisville, Kentucky. How many people in Louisville watched that show? Because we know that... that I, but, you know, actually, it would probably be more were there live than watching in this market, probably, to be honest, on, on cable, on television. Well, and Jim that ain't saying much. It's not saying much. AEW Dynamite on TBS November 1st, 2023. On average, did 832,000 viewers. So they have apparently chained these people to their Barca loungers. It's the same every week, and they ain't going to let them go. 
I, I presume that, so. That's a statement that I made. I think I, it's going to stay like that until more people start <laughs> dropping TVs. That's going to be the big thing, and that's the future is more people dropping drop, TVs, dropping having cable. But they're not going to have to throw their TV out the window, are they? That'd be awesome. I love the open of SCTV, the throwing the TVs out the window. I like the idea. Well, that's because you're a a reincarnated rock star from the 60s. Anyway, how did it go from from big to small like usual? It's because I like good Canadian comedy, which is why I hate so much of AEW. But AEW's ratings, November 1st, 2023, quarter one. These were compiled by WrestleNomics. Uh, if you're into ratings, check out their Patreon, support them. Quarter one, 8 to 8.15 p.m. The recap video, MJF and Adam Cole on the screen. The Kingdom and Roddy Strong come screaming in. Orange Cassidy versus Claudio Castagnoli with picture in picture. 985,000 viewers. Wow, so that'll be the high point. We can pretty much tell that already. Well, quarter two, 8.15 to 8.30 p.m. The continuation of Orange Cassidy versus Claudio Castagnoli, including the post-match with John Moxley, MJF and Chris Jericho's confrontation leading to Wardlow choking MJF, and then the acclaimed and Billy Gunn hanging out, 896,000 views. Oh, okay, so immediately, 89,000 people said, what the fuck is going on here, and chose to leave. That was not unexpected, uh, per our discussion earlier about the merits or lack thereof of fucking Pockets the mascot. Quarter three, an ad break. Oh, 8.30 to 8.45 p.m., excuse me. <laughs> an ad break. John Moxley's backstage promo. Adam Page and the Young Bucks versus the Mogul Embassy with picture-in-picture. Picture, 793,000 oh, viewers. Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> What the, f another 103,000, they lost two, no, not two, a hundred and, I can't do this math, 90-something thousand people in the first 45 minutes? Well, they got to bring some of them back or they're not going to make this average, are they? Well, again, they had the World Series up against them, so you had to have as much action as was happening in that game if you were going to hold any baseball fans. <clears throat> a quarter four, 8.45 to 9 p.m., the post-match with the angry Young Bucks, MJF and the acclaimed and Billy Gunn backstage, Adam Copeland and Christian Cage's live promo and angle, also featuring Luchasaurus, <laughs> Nick Wayne, Sting, Darby <laughs> Allen, and the big Tony Khan and Nigel McGuinness announcement, 836,000 viewers. Okay, so I would have to think that that's the Adam Copeland effect there because nothing else sounded particularly gripping. So they got back 36 and 43,000 people. And because of where it goes the next quarter, let me just say this too. They had, whatever Tony thinks, he has finally burned out his audience on caring about his big announcements. Well, now, but we, it was brought up on Twitter today. I saw people discussing it that maybe we had uh, the wrong expectations because he's got a variety of announcements. There's big announcements, there's major announcements, there's important announcements, there's game-changing announcements. So maybe we just weren't on the terminology we were expecting too much. I like how it's now, how do we get Tony so that he gets his fix of being on camera, but it puts him in a better role 
It's put him with a buddy. Either Adam Cole, <laughs> Nigel. Does, do we have a buddy that speaks English well? Put him with Adam Cole. Put him with Nigel McGuinness. We'll see who's next. Quarter five. The big nine o'clock hour, 9 to 9.15 p.m. Angelo Parker and Matt Menard versus Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega with picture in picture. And the big post-match with the big show. Or he's not allowed to be called that. Paul White and the Callis family. 779,000 viewers. Ew. Okay, we're going back in the opposite direction. Another 36, 20, 50, 57,000 people. And we are at show low already at the top of the 9 o'clock hour so far. Quarter 6, 9.15 and 9.30 p.m. An ad break in the Kenny Omega Young Bucks locker room with drama with Chris Jericho. Hikaru Shida versus Willow Nightingale through picture-in-picture ads. 762,000 viewers. There goes another 17,000. Whoops, there goes another rubber tree plant. <laughs> All right. Well, quarter seven. What you never sang when you were a kid in school? I never sang that. What song is that? Oh, what was the first part of it? Um... He's got high hopes. He's oh, got yeah. high hopes. He's got high apple pie in the sky hopes. That's what you were singing in school when you were a kid? Well, we didn't have many songs back then. They hadn't written a lot yet. All right. Uh, back to this quarter seven. Quarter seven. Quarter seven. A new low here on this show as well as a new low rating in quarter <laughs> six there. Quarter seven. The continuation of Hikaru Shida versus Willow Nightingale, including the post-match with Tony Storm, and the magic of Julia Hart and Sky Blue. The magic of... MJF and the acclaimed backstage. The, the illusions of Julia Hart and... And further illusions in the next segment with uh, MJF, the acclaimed, the guns, Jeff Jarrett, Sanja, everyone backstage willing to be MJF's <laughs> partner, an ad break, and then the entrances for the main event. 821,000 viewers. So poor MJF still, even in these contrived and maligned circumstances, can pull it into 59,000 people and get them for the first time in the second hour above 800,000 viewers. And we have a two-minute overrun, but finally quarter 8, 9.45 to 10 p.m., Billy Gunn, MJF, and the Acclaim versus Bullet Club Gold with picture-in-picture -picture ads. 792,000 viewers. <sighs> and the two-minute overrun, 790,000 viewers. Oh, Jesus. Um, so poor MJF wasn't enough to keep. 21, uh, 29,000 of those that he brought back, and they dipped below... They came up just short of dropping 200,000 from the first quarter to the last quarter. They they did it in the middle, but they at least weren't down. They were only down at the end 193,000. And the overrun lost them. Because apparently the program that was scheduled afterward kind of sucked too. Let me ask you this, because obviously I, I brought up before how they killed the Tony Khan special announcement. It means nothing now. MJF has been someone proven to move the ratings since day one almost. 
He's the world champion. You want your world champion to have a big presence on the show. There's multiple people chasing after him. That's the thing. But having multiple people chase after him is one thing. Having him threaded throughout the program is another. When you have someone that hot, what do you do? What, when I say someone that hot, he's the hottest thing they have in AEW. Right, right. But well, when you, when you have someone like that, what do you do so you don't burn out the audience because you're not getting what used to be one really big, awesome MJF segment that you knew to tune in for? Now he's threaded throughout the program. And then finally, but, the main but, event but, doesn't even pop a number. Steve Austin was threaded throughout the program also. Right. You can be threaded throughout the program. It's what you're doing. That's why you're dangling from that thread throughout the program. And it. it I mean, we've said it, but MJF has now become a fucking nerd, a friendless nerd. He didn't need friends before he had stooges. He didn't need friends. But now he's portrayed as someone who has to go and fucking tuck his tail between his legs to some of these people. But yet he still doesn't want to deal with some of them because he has some pride, but now he's with these fucking nitwits and it's great for the world champion to be the focus of multiple people in the promotion. But do you remember Ric Flair being the focus of Lasertron? You know, it, they have to be main event people that in the promotion that, that are focusing on MJF. And like we've said before, he got over as that, cunning heel that actually did outsmart a lot of fucking baby faces, which is hard on the baby faces, but it worked for MJF. So keep doing as much of that as possible while making him vulnerable to the really good heels that can get heat on him. And, and they're doing none of this. And now he's wandering around with a fucking notepad, try it with a list of people that may potentially be his friends. What the fuck is going on here? And he's too happy. And he's too buddy-buddy with Adam Cole, which this whole thing's been preposterous and phony anyway. And he's taking it seriously, not in terms of his... He's not taking it seriously in terms of his work. He's taking the preposterous scenario that he's been put in, and MJF, the personality inside the wrestling universe there, is taking this seriously. And that makes him look like a fucking idiot. Because nobody else that's watching it is. Because they shouldn't. With the, the Roddy in the wheelchair and the neck brace and the gown and the fucking giraffe and the goddamn Adam Cole was at the guy's house for two weeks with no cell service instead of getting surgery. And what the fuck is... So they are minimizing and now they're overdoing it. Because he's in the show multiple times doing stupid shit just because he's there, just because they'll watch him still, but not in as big a numbers as maybe last year, and that's diminishing. So, <laughs> the fuck? The MJF in a match didn't used to be one of the one, two, two, three lowest quarter hours in the fucking show regardless of where it was placed but in this match he was and he should have been because it's fucking stupid you would have probably run into this more from working with vince on raw than anything with smoky mountain or anything probably even with ovw well i guess maybe 
football, but when you know in advance that you're up against, more than likely, unless it's a sweep in four games, you're up against a World Series game, an NBA championship game, a big football game, whatever it may be, do you change the way you're going to book the show knowing that you're up against that, whether you can keep your audience or not? Well, the thing is... (laughs) They didn't keep any more, they didn't lose any more of the audience against the World Series than they lose against goddamn Wednesday night every week, did they? So this is 20 or 25%. I think think the biggest thing that's ever hit that show was, remember Vanderpump Rules? Remember that was the big thing that was like... Yeah, and we never did find out who that fucking Vanderpump guy was or what he was the ruler of. But, But the point is, is that this is pretty much the people every week that sometimes try and and sometimes succeed and sometimes fail to find something about AEW they want to watch. You can't tell me there's completely different people every fucking week. This is almost the same number and the same pattern. So I don't think the World Series, I don't think that the average person who really enjoys watching AEW wrestling is a fucking sports fan. How could you be? Like, you know, watching people barbecuing Dalmatians if you're an animal lover. So, this, to me, this was not, well, this was not due to the World Series because it's the same goddamn thing every week. They start with the biggest number. They drop fairly quickly at the start and then kind of maintain and then drop at the end, and end up with losing 20 to 30% of their audience. They did the same thing against the World Series that they do against goddamn Family Guy reruns. It's always the same thing, because the show sucks, and even all the people that start out want to see it can't fucking sit through it. Pick that apart. It's going to be an interesting uh, next couple of years, I'll say that. Especially with the people Tony surrounded oh, himself geez, with. Oh, jeez, don't say it like that. We got to keep track of this shit for the next couple of years. We've been there since the beginning. I think we have to go at least until Tony's nervous breakdown. All right, when Tony gets institutionalized, we can, we can take a break from this. That's right. And then we will return from when he returns from his hiatus. But, Jim, perhaps if Tony was institutionalized, he would want to listen to some good tunes on some fine earbuds. <laughs> Well, you know, you almost have to when you're when you're sitting there and you're wearing one of those long sleeve overcoats and you're rocking back and forth in a fetal position. You need something stuck in your head to to play some voices that are counteracting the voices you were already hearing before you stuck shit in your ears. They're coming and to folks, take me away. Ha <laughs> to the funny farm. And folks, you don't have to waller around in the manure piles that you'll find with some of these name brand earbuds because the Raycons are half the price of the normal expensive types and they sound just as good if not better and you know what Raycon we've been talking about their anniversary right and then the milestones that they've been celebrating birthday birthday anniversary whatever the case birthday they expanded their entire business with the introduction of Raycon home do you know that they now have a five-star reviewed Magic 180 cable that allows you to charge IOs and micro USBs and Type-C devices okay. eight times faster? You know, for a second there, because I don't have the copy in front of me, I will momentarily. I couldn't tell if you were doing all improv, but then I realized you are, in fact, reading 
No, you can charge your iOS. iOS. Your iOS. That's line. Apple. That's Apple products. Your. Well, there's no A in that, or P, or P, or L, or E. No, iOS is their operating system. iOS. No, iOS just, operating just iOS. System. You don't think you don't read it like a word. You don't read FBI as FB. <laughs> well, sometimes you do if you want to be formal. Well, who is the I in the OS? <laughs> I don't know, but it's well, theirs. Well, you, Mr. Know-it-all. Well, you can charge all these things eight times faster. It's got a 100-watt power delivery, and they've got now a faucet filter that ultra-filters the water in your tap against chlorine and heavy metals. And you don't want to be drinking heavy metals when you're enjoying a sociable cocktail in your ice there. You know, you get lead poisoning. And no wonder you feel so full after you drink a glass of water these days. It's twice as heavy as it used to be. But anyway, they've got all these things. They're known for the high-quality earbuds, but they've got many different products now for your home and your, your lifestyle. And, of course, the stars of the program, the Raycon Everyday Wireless Earbuds, the high-quality and thoughtful features, the 32-hour battery life, the perfect in-ear fit, for all day, wear them all day, wear them all night, and wear them a little longer. Because they've got a lasting comfort to them, thanks to that gel tip. And if you ever get hungry, it, it, they come available. You can go buy some food because you should not know. You should not be eating anything that Raycon will be sending you for your ears. They are not edible products. Well, in, in a pinch. So once again, folks... And they've got all kinds of deals. You can save up to 50% off right now because their early Black Friday sale is going on right now. Everybody's in the holiday shopping spirit, so they got 20% off everything on the site. And select products, meaning ones that you can select, are up to half off. Holy mackerel. Yeah, they're almost giving it away for free. And you don't have to go out shopping. And the the carnage that comes when they open the doors and people stampede and trample children and sacrifice people to the Satanistic gods in order to get a fucking deal on a Whoa. goddamn home entertainment system. What? That's what they do out there in the wild when you're shopping in person. What, where's the wild? Best Buy? Best Buy, all those places. People are injured constantly every year you hear about it. Don't do that, folks. Just get on your computer in the privacy of your own home Go to buyraycon.com, B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N, buyraycon.com, slash J-C-E, 20% off everything, up to 50% off certain things, and all money that you're going to save and not pull out of your pocket, courtesy of us and our friends at Raycon, and the IOs and the micro USBs and the Type-C devices, and the ultra-faucet filter. Once again, fine earbuds, great earbuds. You will enjoy them. Raycon, what's the promo code one Look more time? Look through the whole goddamn thing now. They got all this other stuff. You never know what they're going to have that you need. That's right. You don't right. know what you need until you don't have it. What you need is that promo code. What is it, Jim? Buyraycon.com slash JCE. All right. Well, that was slash JCE. Let's get a few more things here on the show. AEW is uh, once again in the news, Jim. Oh, boy. I received a press release yesterday, 3.07 p.m., as we are recording today. 
Wrestling legend Ric Flair signs multi-year deal with AEW. The Nature Boy's new Woo Energy announced as exclusive energy drink of AEW. So there's the headline. Let me get your first thoughts on this. Well, no, and and I mean everybody knows I I love Flair for what he's done for me, and this is meant with with all the love in the world, and and I include myself in this age group. At this point, isn't a long-term deal for Flair or me a bit of an optimistic decision? How long can these terms be at this point? Uh, to be fair, when he got booked in AEW, he thought it was just a new version of Kill Tony. <laughs> a different no, Tony. I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm happy for him, but what a deal they've got here because as you read on... Um, there's more emphasis placed on where the energy drink is going to be uh, featured on the program and how it's going to be featured in the locker room rather than what Flair's actually going to be doing there for the next two years. Read some more of it. November 2nd, 2023. AEW CEO Tony Khan today announced a multi-year deal with Hall of Famer Nature Boy Ric Flair, who surprised fans in attendance and viewers at home during last Wednesday's AEW Dynamite show in Philadelphia, making his historic return to TBS by appearing as Khan's special gift for the icon, Sting. <clears throat> Flair's AEW debut comes on the heels of his longtime friend Sting's impending retirement announcement, which will culminate with the icon's final match at AEW Revolution in 2024. They never announce a date for that. <laughs> right? I, I don't know. I, I take enough notes as it is with these people, but I don't think they've... Maybe they haven't locked the building down. Over the course of their 30-year history, Flair and Sting have shared incredible rivalries, momentous matches, and a respected friendship. Khan also announced that Flair's Woo Energy will become the exclusive energy drink of AEW. During AEW show dates, select host venues will carry the clean energy drink at concession stands for fans to enjoy. Which that means any building, and I don't know how many of them there are going to be, that doesn't have an exclusive soft drink or energy drink distributor. Is it the fucking, is it a Coke building or a Pepsi building? That, like that type of deal. What are these energy drinks? Is it a, I don't drink them. They'll give you a fucking heart attack. But they've got the, uh, the. <laughs> What are the goddamn energy drinks, Brian? Brand know. names. They're going to be at the venues. Can I get a Ricky Starks t-shirt? No, I'm sorry. We don't have that here. Have some of Flair's piss water. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> they're going to be but, in the but venues. No, I'm, I'm serious that they're not going to be able to do that in a lot of the, if the, he keeps running these big buildings that have big contracts and NBA deals and shit. Well, they can, they can embed it in the show. Uh, the concession area, I don't know about their contractual status with each venue, but back to this. In addition, the beverage will be stocked in the wrestler's locker room yeah. and will also be seen on the announcer's desk during live broadcasts. So if you wonder why it's there, we're going to say in advance, it's only because they're paying us. Yes. They have announced that they are being paid. And as part of the deal to get Flair to come and be on their TV, they're going to set some of the energy drink on the announcer's desk every week. 
fans watching at home can. Ex- I don't. I don't remember. You know, I understand announcing sponsorship deals. I don't remember them going into quite that much detail. We're gonna stock this shit in the locker room too, folks. Fans watching at home can experience Woo Energy <laughs> by having a kamikaze <laughs> too. <laughs> by ordering <laughs> tray of kamikazes as soon as you walk in the door, you can have Woo Energy. <laughs> by ordering via WooEnergy.com. Good luck getting the fans to remember how many O's are in that. <laughs> Last Wednesday, this is a quote now from Tony Khan. Last Wednesday, the Nature Boy made his epic return to TBS. More than 35 years since the Flair versus Sting rivalry first began on the Superstation. It's truly an honor to welcome the legend himself and Woo Energy to AEW. Rick cemented his legacy as one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time long ago. I think it was cement overshoes over the last year or so, but go ahead. And now, his world-renowned persona. <laughs> I'm sorry. His world-renowned persona and his amazing wrestling mind will be a major asset to AEW's programming and our position globally. Most importantly, it's fitting that the final chapter of Sting's iconic career will unfold on TBS with Ric Flair by his side. Here's a quote from Ric Flair. I've been in the wrestling business for over 50 years. Together with AEW and Woo Energy, I've never been more excited, and I've never had more energy. When the Nature Boy promises a show, you know it's going to go. Woo! And now here's a quote from Chad Bronstein the president and chairman of Karma Hold Company, the parent who the, company... Who the fuck? What? The, the parent company of Woo Energy. Oh, okay. Who I'm sure we'll be reading about in some bankruptcy papers in a few years. No, not... We've all they, been part of... Her, Herb Abrams should have been the fucking chairman of Woo Energy. We've all been part of a Woo moment. <laughs> Time stops. Crowds erupt. And people unite to celebrate the extraordinary. It's electric. You hear it, feel it, and never forget it. This is so much more than a partnership. Together, Ric Flair, AEW, and everyone at Woo Energy will create an unforgettable, oh, excuse me, will create more unforgettable moments for generations of wrestling fans. And then uh, it has here about AEW. Founded by CEO, GM, and head of creative Tony Khan in 2019, AEW is a red-hot professional wrestling promotion featuring a world-class roster that is injecting new spirit, freshness, and energy into the industry. So, uh, and then actually also about Woo Energy. (laughs) Experience clean energy without the jitters. Inspired by Ric Flair, inspired by Uncle Jitters. Is that going to help with our carbon footprint? (laughs) Inspired by Ric Flair's iconic catchphrase, and none of what he drinks, and brought to you by Karma Hold Co. Indulge in delicious... Karma Hold Co. Indulge in delicious woo energy in dragon fruit, lemon, and strawberry banana flavors... Order now at WooEnergy.com and follow the Woo on Instagram and X. 
So this is a major, a major day in the energy drink business. Rick Flair. So do, you, do you think the tagline is going to be if you're dragon ass, eat drink dragon fruit? So are they paying Flair and then paying AEW a sponsorship deal? So they're paying Flair to be on AEW TV? Well, here's what I believe from all of this jibber jabber and falderall that is going on is that somebody came up with the idea or somebody mentioned it or maybe Sting mentioned it. Hey, can we get Flair to come down? Or maybe Tony Khan thought, oh my God, Flair and Sting on TBS. And they called Flair and Flair said, sure, I'll be glad to come in for a couple of years and sponsor my energy drink. And that's what's happened. And Again, I'm not knocking Rick at all as far as taking this deal. But uh, what Tony has done here again is he's going back to his childhood. I thought you did this when you were in your 70s and 80s. Go back to your childhood. These are the people that he grew up idolizing, and now he can have them. He can put them on his TV. He can, you know, uh, uh, position them and have them you know, do scenarios that he dreams up. And I said jokingly, I said, you know, at this point, a long-term deal for Flair is optimistic, but what is the long-term deal? Yeah, they can sponsor his energy drink as long as there's an energy drink. Unless you are saying his great mind for the business, unless they are saying we are going to ask him what he thinks for the next couple of years, What's he going to be doing when Sting retires? That is he, oh, and we're bringing in another old friend of mine that I'm going to ride to the sunset with or whatever. What would he be doing at this point on a weekly or even a regular recurring basis on television for the next two years? This was to get him <laughs> in with Sting. He'll probably disappear after that. He'll still be getting paid without having to leave the house. And they're buying goddamn, you know, truckloads of his energy drink. I'll watch him every week Ric Flair tries to drink an actual can of this without vomiting. I'm on their <laughs> website right now. First of all, and we have to address this in a moment. We will in a moment, because not yet. But Ric Flair has been covered in scandals or issues and stories, and it's been a bad few years, and a lot of people haven't forgotten about that. You go to the website for Woo Energy, a carefully crafted energy drink, break the rules! Be spontaneous and create your own joy. Sounds like Flair's defense of the trial right there. <laughs> <laughs> but this is interesting. They said haven't we all created our own joy? <laughs> they said that it's a they said it's a clean energy drink. It says here it's focused energy, mood boosting, stress relieving. It's a sparkling mushroom elixir. What sparkling mushrooms? Is that a another yeah. way of saying? Fucking magic mushrooms? What's in this stuff? It may explain why Flair dresses the way he does now. That should be. He thinks he's wearing Brooks Brothers. He can't tell. He can't see it. It's a sparkling, uh, sparkling, sparkling mushroom elixir. And it says here, it has like a information. What are adaptogenic mushrooms? Adaptogenic mushrooms have been around for centuries. These compounds contain aptogens that help the body fight off harmful chemicals and biological effects that create stress at the cellular level. <laughs> and, 
<laughs> and also, they're good with spinach and boars and cheese. Hold on, just a little more. I'm sorry, I don't know why this is making me laugh so much. <laughs> Using these naturally potent antioxidants daily can help protect and enhance overall well-being. Also in this is Lion's Mane, known for its nootropic benefits, <laughs> helps to increase focus, memory, and may enhance concentration. And finally, cordyceps? May enhance co co cooperation. Or co may enhance cooperation, may enhance concentration. Maybe I need some of this shit. What's the psilocybin content? Well, finally, it has cordyceps. Widely known to boost energy and rejuvenate the mind, body, and soul. Helping you. <laughs> the soul rejuvenation oh is God. what I'm interested in. Ric Flair has a magical drink that solves everything. <laughs> <laughs> Our mushroom energy boosting blend can help increase. <laughs> I'll try it again. Ah, our mushroom energy boosting blend can help increase mental clarity, enhance performance, and elevate stamina. It can also help balance microflora in the gut and support overall cognitive brain function. So they say here that... What does it do for hemorrhoids? It can fight off the harmful chemicals and biological effects that create stress at the cellular level. So this goes right to the fucking cells, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> and also, it will increase your focus, memory, and may enhance concentration. They can't promise that. That's the one thing they can't promise. <laughs> and also... It will, uh, one of the ingredients is known to help rejuvenate the mind, body, but of course the soul. So if you have any soul issues, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> you may want to try this. You may end up dressing like Ric Flair <laughs> if you have soul issues right now. But Jim, will you and be I trying that, this? That the chemist, the chemist, uh, world famous chemist, Henry Jekyll, responsible <laughs> for this, this concoction, it'll transform you just like that from the cellular level. Will you be trying this? And no, I, no, and, and not because of the way we just took the piss out of it. No, I'm not going to drink that any of these energy drinks, the Red Bull or the fucking the little shot things that they have all over these convenience stores. It's a heart attack waiting to happen. There's no reason to I can't consume that much uh, goddamn uh, caffeine and, and excitable chemicals. I'll fucking. I'm already excitable. I don't need to put myself any further on edge. I've got enough energy to do the things I need to do. Well, Jim, I pulled up on one of the labels here for, for the dragon fruit variety. <laughs> What's in this thing? What is, what are you, I can't please be funny, a, I can't hey, you're, a, funny you're a, a medical professional here. Act your age. A powerful blend of proven ingredients that will put the woo in your day. Woo Energy's dragon fruit sparkling mushroom elixir. It, words you've never heard put together before is made with natural antioxidants, nootropics, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, and caffeine that deliver hours of sustained, non-jittery energy and focus, and then in caps, like Russo wrote it, without the crash. Without the crash? What's the crash? They have uh, 150 milligrams of caffeine. What are, do you, do you, do you, do you crash on this shit? Is, is it, 
It says without the crash. Incapacitate you? Well, I mean, the normal shit that, that has the crash. Well, you, this I mean, is without the crash. In general, caffeine could make you crash if you have a lot of caffeine and stop. Sure. Sure. I mean, it shouldn't, well, it shouldn't be that bad. Stay away from fucking caffeine. That's what hospitalized me. Well, this is uh, one of the interesting ingredients here. The 100 and, uh, I guess, no, excuse me, 1,500 milligrams of the proprietary blend, which includes... Well, what the fuck is that? Theanine, go-to cola extract, the mushroom blend, and here are the ingredients of the mushroom blend, lion's mane, cordyceps... Wait, what? Oh, what? That's serious. Is that some type of plant, right? Lion's mane. It can't be actual hair from the back of a fucking lion. I wouldn't think so. But again, uh, you know, I'll keep going. Cordyceps, right. chaga, turkey tail, turkey tail, shiitake, maitake, and red reishi. What? What about your taki? And red reishi. I guess it is. So what, what do you think? What the fuck is any of this shit? This is the stuff that saves your soul and cures all the problems at the cellular level, Jim. Well, I hope I hope they sell a bunch of it. Is this going to be AEW Slim Jim? Well, it, 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 I'm worried. Is it going to be their their goddamn their Waterloo? Because if they put this stuff in a locker room with all the problems they already have, with guys fighting and being pissed at each other and whisper campaigns and slandering and the like, and they, they get all jacked up on this stuff and, and actually it brings them souls. Then they, this could be, they should televise the security camera footage in the locker room rather than what's going on in the ring. It'll be more violent and more believable. Little known fact, the house of black has actually been advertising Ric Flair's energy drink. Every time Julia Hart spits something out, that's the reaction. <laughs> the new strawberry banana variety of the drink. <laughs> And then he announced, oh my God, she misted her with the dragon fruit. That's automatic hospitalization. That projectile vomiting was brought to you by Ric Flair's energy drink. <laughs> Look at how much energy he seems to have right now. Of all the people that have an energy drink, Ric Flair? Hey, I'm, I'm glad he's getting paid. I'm glad it's for two years. And I hope that uh, Tony's father guaranteed the uh, contract. But uh, again, I... What sign does Ric Flair... Coming to AEW, whether it's for an energy drink and it'll be there, he'll be there for two years because of it, or just coming in. And Tony wanted him a few years ago when everything hit with Darkseid. Is it worth him coming in right now to AEW, knowing the reaction some people are going to have, knowing the position the company's in right now? Again, you're bringing in another person. And again, Ric Flair's an all time legend, but you're bringing in another person. Same show, you know, Big Show just came back. You keep bringing people back so that it doesn't mean anything when you bring people back. But is it worth having Ric Flair there right now? Well, and here's the thing is that, again, we're in a situation where the most popular, not, not even most, but most well-known, biggest stars, biggest celebrities, mainstream names in the wrestling industry that work for AEW have all continued to be behind the scenes or backstage or in a non-wrestling role. And, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's hard for the young guys to get over when everybody sees these older guys as the big stars, and especially when the guys are too old to be able to 
work with these young guys and put them over. So then you start creating the the dissension in the locker room where the young guys are going, well, geez, these guys, all they got to do is show up and plug their energy drink or do commentary or don't even have to show up. They all get paid. And, you know, we actually got to take bumps and get hurt. But, uh, you know, that uh, again, I'm not knocking Rick. I'm glad he's got this deal because I can't imagine why Tony gave it a long-term deal just to get Rick to make appearances for Sting's retirement. What is he going to do afterwards? And past it. And, and past that. They don't listen to any legends that have any opinions anyway, and I don't honestly know that Rick has been paying enough attention to the wrestling business over the past few years to have a goddamn opinion. Or gives a shit. I know that he was the only one when he was the booker in 89 and early 90 in WCW that got the ratings back up and got the pay-per-views back up and got the quality of the show back up. But that's when he was in the middle of it. And he, as we mentioned, he was the big picture guy that put things together and then had me and Kevin do the details and the paperwork. I don't think in 35 years he suddenly decided, I want to do all this shit by myself. I'll take over the book, Tony. So he can't and shouldn't wrestle. He overshadows anybody he manages or appears with, unless it's like a sting where they got the history. Andrade, his son-in-law. Oh my God. You know, maybe (laughs) because it's not like that. Anybody's going to really go crazy over Andrade and Andrade, Andrade, whatever his fucking name is. To begin with, and Lord knows somebody needs to talk for him. But still, that's the the problem is it it overshadows everybody because he's Ric Flair. But um and and they won't listen to him backstage because that's been proven with everybody else. So Rick's got a great deal. He'll do this until Sting retires, and then they'll probably not be able to think of a lot of shit and he'll get to fucking stay home and open his mailbox and get a big check. You see the CM Punk tweeted something out? I did not. Hold on, let me go to this. I saw it on the Cult of Cornette Facebook group, so give me a second to go there. And by the way, get well wishes to Larry. He tore his ACL. Poor baby's in a cast. Cousin Larry? No. Larry Talbot, Punk's dog. His dog tore his ACL? His dog tore his ACL. Was it in a fight with some... I think he was kicking the shit Bucks? out of Kenny again. Uh, CM Punk tweeted out yesterday, or not tweet, excuse me, Instagram, sometimes your value isn't seen until your absence is felt. <laughs> well, there you go. We know now that he was pretty much the only one holding anything together in terms of a palatable, watchable wrestling program with shit that might draw money on a serious basis. Because ever since the week that he departed, it's been pretty much shite ever since and getting worse. It's about who has Tony's ear. When it was CM Punk and people like MJF with input, things were really good. When Tony's surrounded by who now? Who the fuck's going to take credit for any of this? Brian Danielson, Will Washington, Jimmy Jacobs. 
I mean, it's just ridiculous. Look at the state of this show. It's all now. I, I've I've worked with Jimmy Jacobs in the past, and I like him. I don't want to blame any of this on him just blindly. If I knew for sure that he was responsible for any of it, I would I would slander him. But we don't know. Will Washington? I don't know what this fucking guy is even because. Now we find out he's Swerve's cousin and he said good shit about Tony's booking on the internet. That's why he got a job. That's right. And uh, I mean, certainly God Danielson's not sitting down going, hey, let's make Max Caster and fucking MJF look as stupid as possible. I don't think he's responsible for that. Uh, I'd like to know who is is uh has their finger in what around there to know who to blame but it ultimately it's tony you know in this era where kayfabe is dead it's in the dictionary it's dead <laughs> do you think wrestlers should take credit like it should be a rule like okay if you have input in your booking you have to let people know so they can no. blame you no, I think we should try to get the programs to the point where nobody had to take any blame because everybody kind of at least liked most of it. But no, I don't think there should be, there should, shouldn't be, there should be technical credits. Somebody asked that here a while back on Twitter. There should be technical credits for wrestling programs. A cameraman, sound man, like any football game, baseball game, whatever, that's broadcast on television. There should never be credits for match producers and matchmakers or bookers or writers or whatever the fuck they call them these days. You should never know that there is anything other than a company matchmaker that actually has the last word in signing the talent contracts and making the matches. Basically, there any kind of technical credits, but for matchmaker... Booker, writer, whatever they call them these days on the creative team, no creative, no credits for a television broadcast of wrestling that wouldn't be done for boxing or UFC or goddamn baseball or football. Because they, they don't need to, nobody needs to know any closer than that what's going on. When David Copperfield did his show in Las Vegas, at the end of it, did he have the goddamn guy that built the box that he put the woman in the saw her in half come out and take a fucking bow? No, he stole the credit. Well, there you go. To the point, though, of the Instagram message, or in not message, but Instagram post, sometimes your value isn't seen until your absence is felt. Where do you think we'll see Punk next, WWE or AEW? <laughs> Because Tony, I think Tony, I would bet Tony probably recognizes that things were better when he was dealing with Punk, despite all the problems Punk had with everyone else who aren't doing anything to help the show or the ratings or anything else. I'll bet you at some point Tony will reach out. I think he might. I think he might. But I think that, I think that CM Punk is probably finished with dealing with Tony Khan in, in this lifetime. Because life is too short to have a person like that in yours. I've said that about a number of people. That's why that they don't exist to me in the world anymore. And I think that Punk is probably saying that about Tony Khan and or AEW. If Tony went on a spree one day and fired everybody in the elite, and maybe if he kept Twinkle Toes around for laughs, I don't know if there was particular heat there, but if he fired the rest of the elite and their 
doppelgangers, minions, and hangers on. You got about 15 of them out of there and then called Punk, then Punk may speak to him. I don't know. But I think that right now the sense of relief is on Punk's head and the sword of Damocles is hanging over Tony's neck. Well, Jim, right now AEW fans may feel confused. You know, for a long time, people like us were talking about the problems at AEW that were on camera and behind the scenes, and a lot of people ignored a lot of the problems. And now no one can ignore it, and no one is ignoring it. And while Tony's going to have to deal with trying to get ratings, he's also going to have to deal with the fact that it seems like he's lost Meltzer and the smart fans. And that could cause someone to go crazy and do crazy things, like sign Ric Flair and Adam Copeland and the big show, and all of a sudden make it WWE. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is if you're an old-school AEW fan <laughs> of five years ago, you may not recognize what you see on Dynamite. You may want to sue. If, if you're a human being that speaks the English language, you may not recognize what you just heard for the last 45 seconds from Brian Last as he uttered word after word, trying to not finish a sentence until he came out with a way that he could transition to an advertising and or commercial spot for this fine man. Stephen P. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we say a lot of things like get even with Stephen, and if you need to sue, call Stephen P. New. But if you're confused about Brian's transition, you're not the only one. And maybe you want to sue your favorite podcast host for misrepresenting the pitch to the commercial. Whatever the case, you know that our friend Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com, 877-50-STEVE the number to call, toll-free, as they say in the industry. Are you going to argue with my phone number? I was giving you time, so you got it out of your system before You're, you're giving me all the rope so I could hang myself. Well, that's the number, 877-50-STEVE, that you need to call if you have been in any way wronged, wrongfully terminated, damaged, injured. If you've been killed, get on the phone right away and call newlawoffice.com. They can compensate you in a court of law. They can get you compensated. They can bring you justice of a gaveling kind. Boom, the judge is going to go, this is my ruling. You got to pay this fellow, represented by Stephen P. New, all kinds of money because he proved his case. That's what you hear all the time. Don't you hear that, Brian? Uh, You've heard that many times. No. A judge gavel and say that. I haven't heard that, no. Well, yeah, it's because, you know, you've never done anything right. What? But nevertheless, other people have. They've retained the services of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com. 877-50-STEVE for the wrongful terminations, the damages, the injuries, the malfeasance, the malpractice, and the malodor of some people's behavior. Stephen P. New can rectify other people's behavior on your behalf. Wouldn't you like to have some other people's behavior rectified, Brian? I would like to have the phone number rectified. Of course, 877-507-8383. 
for you and for me. See, there we go. There's a rhyme for the jingle. Stephen B. New. Five zero Steve. He'll never leave. No, he'll leave when you want him to leave. Well, he won't leave until he's done fighting for your rights to party. You make him sound like one of these delivery people from one of the things we play. He won't leave. He's one of the Beastie Boys. <laughs> All right. Well, Beastie Steve is available at 877-507-8383. Jim, let's get a few more things before we wrap it up and get out of here. Some breaking news as we are recording. The new issue of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter just posted November 6th, 2023 is the date, even though it is not a... It is November 3rd right now. I guess November 6th is when it would arrive in people's mailboxes. Well, and that's optimistic, but... Sometimes in life, you have decisions that realistically, taking out emotions, that should be easy. But emotions are a huge part of life, which makes them so difficult. A decision that we've made should be a benefit for everyone who subscribes to this publication, yet... When you do something a certain way for so long, and it's been so successful historically, it is hard to make changes. In short, It's hard to follow his train of thought either. In short, the male version of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter will be no more effective with the December 11th issue. No, wait a minute. No more. We'll be no more effective with oh. the... He's not, he's not sending it out on paper anymore. We'll be no more. I guess that's the way he's... Okay, it's... Yes. We'll be no more. Wrote it like he's in the Wild West. In short, the male version of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter will be no more. Comma, should be there. Effective with the 12-11 issue. The Observer... Well, I, ha I have one question. What about the female version? The Observer itself will continue as an online publication, and for the vast majority of you... There will be no changes, no real changes, excuse me. Obviously, the online version covers probably 96 to 97% of those, <laughs> you, those of you reading this, and there will be a positive for everyone in some fashion. The Print Observer has been something I've been doing for 41 years. With the joining forces with Brian Alvarez in 2008, a decision in hindsight I wish I made years earlier but a previous attempt at doing The Observer online ended up disastrous, with constantly being lied to about subscriber numbers, and then, as Pro Sports Exchange, the group we worked with, started having financial issues before closing down, it cost me a very significant amount of money. The second partnership has been anything but that, leading to a new wave of popularity and readership levels. In time, as would be expected, the vast majority of the existing readership transferred over because they would get the issues earlier and also would get the four news podcasts that I do weekly, as well as the rest of the shows. The website has opened up the ability to have gatherings and personally meet so many of you over the years, which has been so rewarding. Still, the existing print subscribers are people who I've felt so much loyalty to so I felt so much loyalty to that continuing. It's written weird. Even when it no, no even when it no longer made sense economically due to so many postage and print price increases. Whenever I meet a print subscriber, invariably they tell me they've been getting it this way for 20 to 30 years, and in some cases longer than that, 
I started the Print Observer 41 years ago, and the Observer has been my full-time, and then some, gig since making the key decision nearly 37 years ago of leaving my childhood dream of being a newspaper sports writer and going on this journey. It goes on from there, but it's a pretty big moment. What do you think of The Observer giving up print copies? Well, there goes my last connection with my ex-friend Dave. Because I will now reveal that, yes, when he decided to stab me in the back, and throw me over for the affections or affectations, possibly, of Twinkle Toes and the Buckaroos and their ilk. Then I cut contact with him after finally convincing him, as I believe you, you remember it took a while, to stop emailing me like I hadn't cussed him out and called him a backstabbing traitorous prick. He finally got that message. But he has never taken me off of the comp list for the Wrestling Observer mail edition that I earned when I became a promoter some 30 years ago, and Brian Hildebrand would send the results of our matches into him, because he's been sending it to me for free for that long, and he never cut me off the list. So I have still received, over this past few years or whatever it's been, the mail version of the Wrestling Observer. And now there will be no more of that. So it's almost poetic because in my office closet, the stack of observers in the last place that I have on that shelf to put them has almost filled up. So when I finish that stack, that'll be the end of it. Son of a gun. And I'll never see another word Dave writes again because I ain't going to get on his fucking website. Because I'm certainly not going to subscribe and pay money for it uh, after the things he's said about me. And to be honest, it won't be as much fun as curling up in bed with a Sprite and the TV on and calmly and leisurely reading the wrestling news on fucking paper like it was goddamn meant to be. You know, I had to give up my Rolling Stone subscription uh, several years ago also. They turned that into a goddamn, it looks like Harper's Bazaar now. Yeah. There aren't that, so, many, there aren't that many good print publications left. Yeah, I, I support the ones good I like. To read. There is almost nothing good left to read if you don't carry a goddamn computer screen around under your arm all the time. Thankfully, I have enough books in my library that, if I lived to be 106, I couldn't read everything that I've got right now all over again, but it's disheartening to hear even Uncle Dave is rolling over and playing dead for this digital online bullshit. Oh, well. I still get Mojo Magazine from England, and they still even include a CD. That's how old-fashioned they are, and that's still great articles and great writers, but it is crazy, and to think that, you know, you are the son of a newsman. Look at the troubles that the news industry's had in the last... Yeah. I mean, longer than Dave. I mean, Dave's been able to survive to this point still doing this. Newspapers are a mess right now. Again, it was an advertiser-based model more than uh, as much as it was a subscriber-based model, and Dave's was very different. But 
But also, that's what's led to people being so stupid now. And then it feeds on itself, and that the more you don't read, the stupider you are, and the more you don't read, the less things there are for you to read. So people continue getting more stupid. Yeah, they talk about how kids get their news now from TikTok. I don't know how aware of you. <laughs> I don't know how aware of TikTok you are, but you know, you read something, whether it's a print newspaper or to be fair, even an article online, it's one thing. When you're just kind of being told stuff in flash 30-second bits. You're not getting the full story, and also the people telling you shit may not be vetted. It's just anyone. Well, yeah. Doing well, shit. besides that, I grew up watching. If I'm gonna hear the news, it's gonna be told to me by Walter Cronkite on the CBS Evening News. There's important people, learned fucking professionals, gathering this shit for me. I'm not gonna. I wouldn't have listened to a guy named fucking Uncle Arthur on TikTok. That's just, no, what the fuck? How stupid can you be? Well, we will uh, see if there's any other further news from here, but a couple quick things before we get out of here. Uh, we got to play one song, so a couple quick hits, because I keep telling people we will and we don't. Yeah, it's your fault. Alexander Hammerstone, I don't know why I said it like that. Alexander Hammerstone. <laughs> Has requested his release from MLW. It has been reported. MLW. Well, that's that's because he's made all that money from the ballroom that it bears his name in New York, the Hammerstone Ballroom. Apparently, MLW is not really looking to release him. They feel they've invested time and energy, and of course, their <laughs> valuable television time and developing the Alexander Hammerstone character. What do you think his future will be? Will anyone? I mean, WWE is in litigation right now with MLW. I don't know if Tony Khan thinks too well of Court Power either. Is anyone going to want to deal with MLW to buy him out of his contract? Is it worth it for Hammerstone? What happens? Well, the problem is WWE is going to do no business with anybody connected to MLW. They're not going to do business with the office because they're getting sued by the office and they won't do any business with the talent unless their contracts expire and they're free and clear completely because they don't want to be sued again. Um... I do not know how much guaranteed money that uh, Corbauer MLW pays the talent that they have under exclusive contract. That's you don't see Hammerstone working other places, and I guess if if it's approved by the office, he can. And we talked about that Jacob Fatu's been under exclusive MLW contract, and MJF was there for a while, but his expired and. At one point, he was working both when AEW first started, but he migrated over. Yeah, I don't as know, I said, I don't know if it expired. I think that I think Tony Khan had to buy him out of it. Well, whatever. There was an arrangement made that he was doing both at the start, and then he came full time to AEW. But the point being, I don't know how much they are, but they're obviously not a lot of money. Whatever your scale of a lot of money is, when. In 2019, when I did that stint for three or four tapings or whatever as the fill-in color guy for MLW television, there were there were three or four guys there that were mainstream major league talents and a few others that had potential. I'm not going to go up and down the whole fucking list. Don't want to insult anybody by leaving them out, but I will, I've said that the main ones were MJF, Jacob Fatu, and Alexander Hammerstone. And then Tom Lawler, he was one of those guys that was still doing MMA at a lower level while he was doing pro wrestling on the indie level. And I think he's been in a lot of silly things and developed some bad habits, but you could produce and market him, 
you know, if you knew what you were doing, which so far apparently nobody has. But in, in, basically, the three were Fatu, Hammerstone, and MJF, in my opinion, not only from doing color, but also, you know, I was tasked with producing interviews with some of the guys and working on some finishes, some of the matches, and they were the most well-rounded. If we remember back at the time, there is one other name, Selena De La Renta. Well, yes, but we're talking wrestlers right now that may or may not right. okay. get out of their contract. Okay. Um. And with Hammerstone, I haven't seen him lately. I haven't seen him in four years. I'm hoping that he hasn't had any serious injuries and that he's, you know, continued to progress as far as his in-ring. I don't, you know, I haven't heard of any stumbling blocks or he didn't break his fucking neck or whatever. But the clock has to be ticking. I don't know how old he was then, but he's four years older. To get into the WWE uh, system, go through whatever needs to be done in developmental and their aspect or their opinion and get him on the main roster where he can make a difference. Clock is ticking. And that's probably why he's seen that whatever MLW is doing with their lawsuits, they've gone as far as they're going to go. And when, when the number two company is fucking tanking and MLW is not even close to number two, he needs to get out of there. You could just hope for a settlement is what it is. Yes. And that's the thing is Hammerstone, his clock is probably ticking. He'd like to leave. They apparently don't want to let him. I'd like to know what the fuck they think they're going to offer him. You know, to, that would make it worth the career that he would be having if he was fucking somewhere else. And, and I don't think he has any legal issues on his record like Fatu does as far as being a stumbling block to do anything somewhere else. The bigger issue, too, is why would Hammerstone, seeing what was happening in the business a couple of years ago, whatever it was, why would he sign a multi-year contract with MLW at that point? Well, I don't know how... He's been signed since 2019. I haven't heard that he re-signed. I heard there was a renewal a couple was of years ago. Was there a ago. renewal? Well... Court's a very glib individual, and maybe he was convinced at the time and able to convince Hammerstone that he could do something for him. But that's, again, nobody sees MLW, because they're not seeing Impact. And MLW is not as big as Impact. And Impact's not as big as fucking, I guess it is technically as big as Ring of Honor, which doesn't even really exist, but it's not as big as AEW. And, and, Hammerstone has the size, the ability, the look, the experience, whatever. He's got to shit or get off the pot, as Mama Cornette used to say, and you can't do it there. He's in a fucking fishbowl, not an ocean. And it looks like he's trying to do it in a professional way. I have a thing here from Twitter. Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful tweeted at an article, Alex Hammerstone recently requested his release from MLW. Fightful Select has learned. Uh, has a link to an article, but Hammerstone retweeted that. And he said... My time with MLW was five of the best years of my life and career. Very proud of what I and the company accomplished. I wish them continued success. I have recently asked for my release, as I feel it's what's right for me at this time. Thank you, Court Bauer, for the opportunities. That's as nice as you could see it, right? I, yeah. And, and then they say, well, but we're not going to release you. 
<laughs> we're not going to release you so we could run small shows every now and then in Philadelphia. I mean, that's the, you know, on one hand, if you are a company trying to grow, you want to have talent you could build around. You need to sign up the contracts to do that. On the other hand, you can't hold guys to contracts if you're the only ones not facing reality. Four years ago, they had a. You could see that there was something going on that you could potentially see developing. They were selling out Chicago and at Cicero Stadium, and then AEW for their TV happened. tapings. And then AEW. Well, hold happened. on a sec. Hold on a second. They were doing that, and they had some talent, as we've just talked about. And they had just gotten on BN Sports for whatever that's worth, and the the network was happy with them and cooperating. But things were going on. But then there comes AEW, and there comes the pandemic, and there comes all this other shit, and I think the horses left the barn. But, you know, nobody else is probably asking for releases because where are they going to fucking go? But Hammerstone got the potential. He's a star. He would have been a star by now somewhere else where people were seeing him. If you again, if you're a small promotion, especially one with aspirations of having a syndicated television show you can make money off, you need to sign talent that you could build around to be safe. I mean, that's again the thing is they're just the reality. It's not gonna happen for MLW. Like it may turn into something that can make nice money for court, but wrestlers are never gonna make nice money there. There's no path for that. I don't, I don't know if any living right now in modern day 2023 will live long enough to, but... You know, so Hammerstone's been there a while. Why hold... I mean, I, I, again, I know why they signed him to a contract, and he can't do anything without them releasing him, but wh at this point, why hold him? He doesn't want to be there. Can... He wants to go do something else. He knows that his time is running out. That's... The life of a wrestler. The clock is ticking. Well, then in that case, maybe something I said, well, if maybe these other guys don't want their release, maybe they do. Maybe he's getting a lot of people asking about releases and he can't set a precedent. Because to be honest, right now, MLW with or without Alexander Hammerstone, I'm sure would continue to exist at about the same level it is. But if he gives Hammerstone his release and he's had numerous other or integral other people's album, I, I want my release. Then if he does it there, then he's, he's open to canopies. They could potentially even file legal action because you did it for one. How can I be the victim of a double standard? And then his whole thing's gone to shit. But again, knowing, having seen a few MLW contracts, but not having seen Hammerstones, knowing that he's not making significant income from MLW, I feel is a reasonable thing to say. And if anything works out in WWE or even AEW, he will make a considerable amount more. That's the issue. This is like um, if Savaldi had guys under contract and wouldn't release them so WWF could take them. Yeah. I understand you having guys under contract, but now you're going to get nothing out of it. The problem is the precedent was set with the MLW, with the uh, MJF contract. And that's the issue. But what is MLW? They should let him out of his contract. I mean, it's just they're wasting everyone's time. Why not? I think uh, they're still hoping that Vince will pay them something to go away. Jim, one last thing. Uh, any thoughts on the new Beatles song? Okay, yeah. 
you said something about this right before we went on the air, and I've, I haven't had time to even ask you, but it sounds ludicrous, but I've realized now you're talking about they found, it's not a new Beatles song, they found something that the Beatles did. No. And that's new, because obviously the, you can't have a new Beatles song without half of the fucking Beatles. It's a new Beatles song. Let me read the description what? here f from the official video on the Beatles YouTube channel. Now and then, that's the song. The Beatles have a YouTube channel? They're very big on YouTube. Now and then's eventual journey to fruition took place over five decades and is the product of conversations and collaborations between the four Beatles that go on to this day. The long mythologized John Lennon demo was first worked on in February 1995 by Paul, George, and Ringo as part of the Beatles Anthology Project but it remained unfinished, partly because of the impossible technological challenges involved in working with the vocal John had recorded on tape in the 70s. For years, it looked like the song could never be completed. But in 2022, there was a stroke of serendipity. A software system developed by Peter Jackson and his team, used throughout the production of the documentary series Get Back, finally opened the way for the uncoupling of John's vocal from his piano part. As a result, the original recording could be brought to life and worked on anew with contributions from all four Beatles. So the only thing holding this up was they couldn't get the piano out of John's. Why couldn't they just leave his piano in there? It didn't work with the rest of the track. You know what the problem, too, is I hate to say this. I, I love the Beatles. I love John Lennon. All the stuff he was writing in the Dakota at the end of the 70s is all like just down cat. Like nothing's like, all right, let's rock. Like nothing. <laughs> so everything's just like life and the Dakota is just He was every just song. watching the wheels go round and round. Right. He really loved to watch them roll. Well, that's a good song. Uh, you know, you could judge now and then uh, for yourself. But what do you think of using AI to... You know, in this hand, not to recreate John's vocal, but just to detach something else that was there using that technology for other things. Well, yeah, and that's technically what everybody is talking about that they have a problem with about AI is people using it to impersonate people or falsify things or, you know, a computer-generated duplicate doing things that the original person didn't do. I view what they've done there with separating a vocal from a an instrument on an existing track that it was not previously possible to, that's more of an advancement in recording technology rather than falsifying something. So if they've got... Didn't they do that with some uh, to, to a lesser extent with something that Roy Orbison did 30 years ago or something, or what am I thinking about where there was a, a song released with a track from somebody that was dead and other people did stuff with it. And well, Nat King Cole and Natalie Cole did unforgettable. And I think like they did that. Yeah. Yeah. So they've been playing with stuff like that. I don't have a problem with that. If they computer generated John, then that would be bullshit. But if it's really him and they just used the computer to, get the other shit out of the way so they could use it, well, that's that's still cricket. If they use AI to create 
as lifelike a hologram of the Beatles as possible, as they were in their prime, would you go see that live? No. I'd watch it on TV, but I'm not going to fucking get in a car, drive somewhere, park, sit down, and watch a goddamn a projection of dead people. All right. Well... I don't I don't, don't know any live people that I will go through that procedure to go sit down and watch. Well, this has been Reggie's Corner, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, come on! No, uh, before we wrap up, we promised a song. I know we're really late on time, but we got to do it. Here's a song. Uh, well, uh, well, well, no, he sent in two different ones. This person sent in two different ones. Here's Stefan of Auburn, Maine. A song for Brawl In and a song for Brawl Out. Let's go to the second one, London Brawling. Oh my God. Today I had to make one of the toughest decisions of my professional career. Today I terminated Phil Brooks, CM Punk, for cause. This stems from a backstage incident at AEW All In last Sunday. The incident was regrettable and it endangered people backstage. London brawling, superstars are around. Punk fully prepared for travels round town. London brawling, oh, haven't you heard? Bumping in the monitors, now Tony's deterred. London brawling, now shitting his trunks. Tony's WrestleMania equability stunk. London brawling, the Harley circle ring. Experts of a thing of nepotism are saying, I find my day coming and feels lunching in. Melter protected, the elite is only friends. Can they stop dying for what they have to fear? Cause Tony is crowding. His life was in danger. I've been going to wrestling shows for over 30 years. I've been producing them on this network for nearly four years. Never in all that time have I ever felt until last Sunday that my security, my safety, my life was in danger at a wrestling show. Yeah, I felt like that when I was 15 in Louisville. <laughs> An abrupt ending, but nevertheless, wait a minute. Where's my... Yes. That was Stefan of Auburn, Maine. Oh, my gosh. London brawling. Now, now I'm curious what his other one here, here is. Old oh, and tired. Hit it, hit it. Go ahead and hit it. Mr. Colton is your mom at home. I bleed and I perspire. I'm old and I'm tired. Ken is now angry and the young bucks too. What he spewed from his mouth like a shoot interview. These children they hired. This is from Mindy's Bakery, by the way. <laughs> it's a great place in Chicago if you like pastries and baked goods. Let's see, yes, you go there. They're closed on Mondays and Tuesdays, though. Wanna try shooting on the mic? How do you not sound dumb? And fuck the rest, see the valley VPs at the scrum. Tonight I'll take you to the media outlet. I can't contain what's making me so upset. Tony, you can have them fired. 
Maybe finally time to play this off. Uh, that's uh, Stefan of Auburn, Maine. Stefan, I, I like your enthusiasm. I'm not sure you need to quit your day job just yet. Well, with that, I think maybe he needs some energy drink. But with that, we're going to wrap things up quickly. Thanks. So you can send in your songs, cornydrivethrough at gmail.com. Send in your questions, whatever else. We'll be back on the experience. Go to the YouTube channel, patreon.com slash cornet. We're on Twitter and everywhere else. For Jim Cornette, I'm the great Brian Last. Tally-ho!